Hello, welcome to episode 887 of The Sleeper and the Bus. It is Thursday, January 28th. I'm your host, Paul Spore, and I'm joined not only by the wonderful Justin Mason, but our special guest, Nicholas Pollock, is in the building. Gentlemen, good morning. How are you both? Talk at the same time. What is that? I'm doing fantastic. (laughs) (laughs) We are here. Back. Yeah. We are here to talk pitching, Nick. Mm. And we knew... We had to have you on. It was a matter of picking which episode. Are we going to talk, talk top 10 pitchers with you? No. Nah. Are we going to talk second 10 pitchers with you? No. Nah. Are we going to get in that in that next tier there, though, with a bunch of the guys that live in that, like, 30 to 25 to, like, 30 range, uh, 40 range, really, of pitcher? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Because that's where your aces are coming from. And uh, I think it's a really interesting group. It's kind of a make-or-break group every year, it seems to be, right? A lot of guys that uh, did well the previous year get some love and get pushed into this area. There's guys who maybe were a little bit disappointing and were at the top that kind of get pushed down here. It always ends up being a really interesting point in the draft. Some people say don't invest in this spot and wait deeper. Either go to the very tip-top or wait even deeper than this. It's really kind of how you how you feel. But we're going to get into a bunch of these, paired a bunch of these guys up, put a couple trios in there. We're just going to dive right in because this podcast is going to run a little long. Oh, I mean, man. Never. It's, never. It's the, Nick, it's the Nick Pollock phrase. <laughs> um, and we're already off saying it. But let's just start with the better 2021 buy. Just straight up here. Sonny Gray versus Max Fried. Nick, we will start with you. Our wonderful guest, PitcherList.com 6.0, coming out soon. Sonny Gray, Max Freed, straight up, 5x5. Five five. Honestly, probably doesn't matter 12 or 15 team, but you can answer more in the 12 team. Nick plays more 12 teams, we play more 15s. That is important to delineate because of how we value pitching. I'm not sure there's a difference with these two guys here, though, but who do you like better between Gray and Freed and why? Yeah, generally the 12-15 thing happens in a little bit back end of the guys we're exactly. going to be talking about today. because Probably outside of this hitting earlier. entire group that we're talking about. We shouldn't have too much of right. our discrepancy, but it's nice to have that on the board because it, it does play a difference in how we evaluate. Oh, yeah. Huge, huge difference. So, Sonny Gray versus Max Fried in 30 seconds. Sonny Gray, easily for me. Um, better division. Uh, the NL Central is not good still as far as offensive lineups that Sonny Gray is going to be facing. He is a little bit more, uh, I guess, volatile in his secondary stuff. Sometimes the slider and curveball are both there, and he's absolutely dominant. But then you have times when he misses one of them. That's why we saw that 11% walk rate in 2020 for Sonny Gray. His fastball isn't good enough to get him through starts when he's struggling to find strikes with those breaking pitches. But, man, they are so good. And I don't really love Max Freed. I know a lot of people are in on it. The repertoire, well, the slider is good. We, we talked about that, I believe, over a year ago in 2019 when Freed added that slider spore. But the curveball and fastball aren't quite what we want them to be. His curveball sometimes is good, sometimes it's not. Fastball command is not quite at the level we want it to be for Freed. And he allowed his first home runs in his final start of the year with a .32 homer per nine and a 5% homer fly ball rate. That's why we saw that 2.25 ERA from Max Freed. That's not going to stick around. I see a 4.32 Sierra that's closer, not necessarily a 4-plus ERA guy. I'm not saying that. But I think there's still a lot more things to figure out with Max Freed. Sonny Gray, with all his troubles, still had a 3.7 ERA, 30% strikeout rate that matched his 2019 29%. I think we're going to see more strikeouts from Sonny Gray. I think you're going to see better opponents uh, for Sonny Gray to excel. I'm in on Gray here over Freed. 
You know, I understand uh, what, what you're looking at here for sure. You know, I paired these two specifically because if you look since 2019, they're at 393 for gray and 395 for freed in terms of Sierra, which is a great uh, one of my favorite uh, ERA indicators. If you really look into the skills that they're looking at versus FIP, it's it's better regarded and a better predictor for future performance. And they ended up being kind of the same. So that's why I paired these two, even though, uh, you know, Gray's five years older. Justin, let me bring you in on this on this duo here because I'm still a little torn. I like I like hearing Nick's thoughts, but I I see these two guys and I could, depending on the draft, take one or the other. I'm not sure I'm fully sold. Do you have a lean between Freed and Gray? It's probably not as far as Nick's, but it it does lean on Sunny Gray for me. I, I feel more comfortable with the track record. Uh, I feel much more comfortable um, about just. Uh, that I think he's just a, a bit safer than Freed is. Uh, I do worry a little bit about the the jump and walks in in 2020, uh, but I also like the idea that Gray likely is not going to be pitching Cincinnati in Great America Ballpark because uh, I think we all assume that at some point Cincinnati nope. will trade. I disagree with <laughs> Sunny- that. I don't know why you disagree. Nothing has come of that. You keep pounding that because there were a few rumors. I uh, It's been more than a few rumors. Nothing. Lots of smoke. Now um, we've seen nothing. Who's been rumored on Gray? Nobody. Um, Nobody. I, I, I'm not seeing it. I'm not seeing it. And even you know, if he isn't Cincinnati, Nick's both. right. He does get to, you know, get to go against uh, the Central who we're all selling. If Cleveland's not, or uh, sorry, Cincinnati's not selling, they're the only team in the Central not selling, apparently. So Mm, um, getting to go up against the Pirates and me pitching and hitting for them, I'm going to be a two-way player for the Pirates coming up. (laughs) That helps with Gray for me um, to lean that way. Again, I've got the two pretty close. I do like Freed. I'll give Freed a little bit more love than the two of you. Uh, you know, Nick, you kind of put me on the free train with the development of that slider. So it's interesting to see you, see you jumping off a little bit. Again, I look at these two and their skills are, are, are pretty well connected. I'm taking the younger guy. Uh, if I am if I am going for free, I'm getting a guy who's five years younger, walk rate better, a little bit more hittable for sure, particularly you mentioned uh, home runs as well. Understand the concerns there. But I think if that slider you know, is fully formed, and we are looking at somebody who does finally have the three full pitches. I, but bottom line for me, I don't think we've seen Freed's best. I think we've seen Gray's best. So if I think they're pretty close, give me the guy who I think has a, a richer upside still. You don't, you don't think, think that really. 2020 was Freed's best? because that's, I, that's not a full season. I just So no, I don't. I Do I think he's going to have a better full season than 225? No, but to me... Um, a full season, 170 plus innings of like a 320 is better than 56 innings of a 225. I just don't buy the whip staying where close to where it was. I mean, he's... dude, that's one of the big improvements that I did buy into them. But not only the defense, but him being a, a bit more difficult to hit. That was something in his career that he'd been kind of dealing with. You know, can he get those hits down? He he cuts it big time. Uh, Freed does from nine five to six eight. Yes, a 268 Babbitt was needed. Uh, I'm not sure I see him as a mid-threes BABIP guy, though, which is where he was living. So I think the development here, and by the way, he's he's going to be age 27. Gray is, let me see, is, he, uh, is it a five-year split here, the way they did the le- ages? Uh, 31 years part? old for this 31. year. Okay. okay. So um, they, they are five. I don't know why they listed 30 and 25 on the leaderboard I did. That was their age in 2019. Anyway, just a little confusing on my end. But yeah, 
I've got these two very close. I don't have a firm lean, but I'd give Freed a little bit more love than the two of you. I think it's I think it's much more of a toss up than I and, think. And you I, I'm not saying like I wouldn't draft Freed. Either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think Freed. And I, I don't right. think Nick's saying like he's garbage either. I don't want to overstate not. the uh, the disagreement here. It's I think it's minor. There, there are some really fun things. Uh, they both have identical 6.75 hit per nine in 2020, which is interesting. I. Uh, Sonny Gray was actually able to do a 6.26 in 2019, while Freed had a 9.45. Yes. Um, and the reason why he was unhittable was the slider and curveball really coming into form. Yep. And it was that way, actually, for the first five starts for Sonny Gray. Actually, the first seven, really. And then also the last him? four is where he fell down, and he wasn't able to find that curveball slider. And we saw that poor side of it that then made this all a little bit more murky, uh, raised up the walk rate. He had uh, three games of at least three walks in his final four starts for Sonny Gray. And, uh, and as you mentioned, couldn't find the feel for those, started to go back right. to the fastball. The fastball jumped up from 47 to 54% from Gray. And we had loved how he had dove into the slider curve combo, yep. throwing them a combined uh, 47% of the time in 2019. And so, you know, that's one thing. His fastball is not terrible but it's certainly not the it's bread not and butter of, of what we wanted from gray so yeah there's concerns with both but they're not huge concerns i would gladly put either as a number two um or even a late number yeah. one if i'm really stacking offense for some reason but ideally they fit really well as your second guy it's kind of funny Sonny Gray, I mean, you even mentioned it, Mason. You called uh, Cincinnati Cleveland for a second. And that's kind of who Sonny Gray is. He's a Cleveland pitcher. Yeah. Uh, he's someone with two really good breaking balls and a mediocre fastball. You don't really want him to be throwing a lot. Yep. And I should emphasize here, Sonny Gray's both his slider and curveball are better than any pitch that Freed has, including that slider. That's Hasn't fair. had above a 16% swing strike rate, that slider for Freed before. While Sonny Gray in his showcase is 20% plus on both of those breaking balls. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a huge understanding of that which means, oh, that 24% strikeout rate we saw from Freed in 2019 compared to the 29% um, from, from Sonny Gray in the same year, there is a gap in strikeouts, not to mention Sonny Gray has showcased a little bit more uh, ability to go deeper into games than Freed has thus far. I, think I do think age, Freed though. over time will, he's, I agree with you Yeah, there. he's a bit more over developed. Time. But you want to talk about track record, I think you said, Mason. I do align with that more that the, the Reds will let Sonny Gray... Like, if I had to wager this year who has a higher IPS, I would probably put Gray over Freed. Not by much, but a little bit more. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Okay, so I think that's where we're at on these two. Uh, we're open to both. You guys have a Gray lean. Uh, I think I lean just a little slightly closer to Freed, but I, I'm not. I'm I not will say, after having done 37 million drafts already this season, <laughs> I don't have either of these guys on any teams. Okay, and, you've, and you're drafting all around, so the yeah. price is not fitting – for what you're doing I'm, I'm for whatever reason. I'm taking in this, in this okay. spot. So. Right, okay. okay. Let's, uh, let's talk about a couple of health risk investments. Uh, one very recently out, Strasburg. Uh, the other starting to show some health, but we know that kind of lurks back there. And let me get the blanket caveat out there that every pitcher, no matter how healthy they've been, is a massive injury risk. I think I think it's about 40, 45% goes on the DL, every, uh, on the IL every year. That's kind of the inherent risk that you're dealing with. It's kind of a will they won't. I know it's not as as, as trite as that, but like they're all 50%. They will or they won't. But um, it does feel that way, right? The second you start to bet on somebody who's so healthy lately, 
something tweaks because pitching is so unnatural. So let me just get that out there. When we're talking about the health risks like Strasburg and Ryu, we're moving it from like that 45% baseline to maybe like 55% with them. They're, 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 because their injuries have piled up, they're a little bit more likely, but they're not exponentially more likely than somebody who's been healthy in previous years. Let me just say that. Yeah. But Strasburg versus Ryu, Justin, I'm going to start with you on this one. Strasburg coming back from that carpal tunnel. I remember when Nick and I first did our top 100s and he, Nick's, kind of had him where he was, like assuming he's going to get back. I had been playing it cautious, but then I was like, yeah, I'm going to move him in in the fall or in the spring. Why don't I just move him now? So I ended up moving him up. Nick and I both kind of put him where we think, which was like early 30s. Um, and then Ryu would be a little bit ahead. But as we get closer now, this is a couple months even later, everything seems to be progressing for Strasburg. Do you take him over Ryu or are you starting to buy into Ryu as a, uh, as a stud here after the last two years? If it was just this injury for Strasburg, I would be much more likely to be like, yeah, Strasburg's my guy. But uh, one, he's been injured virtually like every season. I mean, he's he's just always hurt. Except for 19, right? Yeah. And two, there's just not a track record of carpal tunnel surgery for pitchers. Like we, we, I mean, and you know, my wife's had carpal tunnel surgery, you know, the track record in general is very, very good. Something like 85% of people are completely back to normal after getting this surgery. Oh, okay. That's so, great. That's, that's great. But we have no idea like with a pitcher, I mean, yeah, going back to typing versus pitching 99% yeah, of people who get carpal tunnel surgery are getting it so they can go back to a desk job. Yeah. Uh, you know, they're not getting it so they can throw you know, a 95-mile-an-hour fastball. Uh, and for that reason alone, I'm just not in on Strasburg at all. It just, I'm just not, he will mm. not be on probably any of my teams this year, especially considering where he's going. Ryu coming off of, you know, a Cy Young caliber season. Uh, I, I, yeah, I'm going to take Ryu 100% of the times if, I am, do. if I'm faced with this. Let me do a quick reset. Gray and Freed were both going at ADP 64. How's that possible? 63.5 on average for Gray, 63.7 on average wow. for Freed. So they're right there. That's how two guys can have the same ADP um, just for that. And then for Strasburg and Ryu, they're very close as well. 68 versus 71. 68 for Strasburg, 71 for Ryu. Ryu actually going a bit lower. Um, I totally hear you on that, Justin. I've actually started to really lean toward Ryu. And I think in the drafts I'm in right now, until we see something in spring, I'm also going to be drafting Ryu. He's not as powerful as as Strasburg. And when Strasburg's on, he can be so excellent. But Ryu has quite literally never been bad. No, I do not count four and two-thirds in 2016. The only thing has been health. And that's been a big thing, admittedly. But now we're on two full seasons here. Granted, 67 innings is not truly a full season. But he he lasted the, the duration of the season that we had, plus the 182 and two-thirds before that. I just love what he does. I think he's bona fide as a stud, and I think I'm right now I'm taking him. I may change a little bit in March um, and move Strasburg a bit closer to him, but I got Ryu. Nick, uh, are you sweeping it with Ryu, or are you moving over to Strasburg between these two? Oh, man, this is this is hard. Uh, it's kind of funny. You, you mentioned that Ryu's never been bad. So has Strasburg, really? That, I mean, absolutely. absolutely. It, it's, in many ways, I would even say better. Um, just because it's a career 29% uh, strikeout rate while Ryu's best uh, was at 27.5 in 2018 yeah, and, and fell down. And then he's so a 22 so career guy. So that, yeah, that's a great call. If you'd be and, hoping and for like 24%, 25%. But yeah, it hasn't been, they both haven't been bad. This is really cool. I, I it, It's hard. 
I don't know how many innings to project for Steven Strasburg. I'm actually kind of interesting, interested to hear what you guys think would be a number you would put on Strasburg if you were drafting him, saying, okay, as I make this decision, well, how many innings would you expect, baking in the in- injury? 150 for you, Spore? Yeah. Mason? Because they're, they're, they're not, not going to baby him at all. He's 32. Right. He's making stacks. Yeah, you just have you're to... You're healthy, you're out there. Yeah, yeah, you just have to kind of balance how many times he's going to go on the IL. Exactly. Sure. How many starts he's going to leave. Right, so I'm going to go 135. Okay. okay. That's fine. Okay. So, yeah, I probably would have it around, yeah, that 140, 150. Sounds fine. You know, that sounds conservative enough. Sure, we expect something to go wrong. But, like, in a normal season, Steven Strasburg, even with his injuries, it was, like, 127 and 147. Yep. And, you know, it's not like it's zero, like, 2020, which was just, okay, hi, I'm 2020. So then the question I have is, well, with Ryu, how many innings do we expect there? Because I expect it to be a six-man rotation with the, with the Jays. Uh, they just got Steven Matz in there, too. Uh, they've also said... Did you just invoke Steven Matz into your argument? Yeah. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I did. And if you remember, in 2020, when they signed Hyunjin Ryu, do you remember the quote they gave? Saying we are expecting 150 innings out of Hyunjin Ryu, we yeah, recognize his history. Yep. Right, it was 150. We got 2020, so they're like, fine, we'll take 67 innings and in 12 starts. Which, yeah, that's okay. Full, We're okay with that, that. That constitutes a full season for them, so they didn't have to worry about pressing right. things. So I'm seeing, I'm seeing projection systems have Ryu around 175 to 180. Yeah, I'm wondering if that's a little too aggressive. Just Zips because is does that at, change? Right. Yeah, Zips, Zips has is at 138. They're, they're, are they right. more in line with where you're at? I I would. I mean, I think there is a discussion to be had about Strasburg versus Ryu total innings. I am giving the favor to Ryu at the moment, but I think it's a lot closer than these projections would make you think. My only well, pushback and, to the general point is six-man rotations almost never last. I know teams are going to be more fair. diligent this year. Right. Um, but that breaks down pretty quickly once those injuries start to happen. And their six as is is pretty Are, unimpressive. Yeah, and Pearson's Unless, already dealing with injury issues from last year. I, I don't trust Ray. Yeah. Matt's is not untalented. I, but, I'm with you on know. all of that. It's yeah, yeah, not yeah. a strong a, a group. Um, I, this I is think the Ryu, season that you'll see more teams doing this, especially yes. like someone like Ryu that has they even signed him knowing that he has this injury history. I they would think that they, they want to encourage some, this. 200 IP horse, and right. I understand that, and I respect that because they're upfront about what they're dealing with. Even if it doesn't last all year, the six man, yeah, we will see it in pockets for teams, right? When they have, when they're at full strength, they're going to have pockets to try to do it for six weeks here and a month here to stre- to stretch out their guys because they don't want to overtax anybody coming off the pandemic year. I totally get that. Um, I would still, if I'm doing projections, I'll probably still give Ryu a little bit of an edge. So that means I'll be in the 160 range because I said 154 straws. So I'm not going too crazy. That sounds good. I just want to establish that baseline as far as how much production are we going to get from each. And then the question really becomes, okay, Strasburg's been really good when he pitches. Ryu's been really good when he pitches. Who does the quality and strikeout really volume of Strasburg outweigh the ratio maybe I don't even know like how much better are the ratios gonna be for Ryu than Strasburg it's not a guarantee that they are it's not a guarantee you know I think you sold me to to go to Strasburg 
So, so then, even if you look at the, the, the repertoire of Ryu as well, um, what happened in 2019 for him is that his changeup became this massive O-swing pitch. I mean, we're talking yep. like 55%, and it was amazing. It induced all this more context. It was great. That came down um, to about 45% in change. Still very uh, good. In, uh, yeah, 44%. Excellent. His cutter is what really saved him, actually, and really made the adjustment as his changeup got a little bit worse. Cutter was better, um, allowing a 200 batting average instead of 281 in 2019 for Ryu's cutter. So I, I don't know if that's really it. And it, it's look, Strasburg's stuff, I think we all agree, is better than Ryu's when it comes to overpowering batters. I always have hesitations. I generally am a little more conservative for command pitchers like I have been with Hendricks in the past and I mm-hmm. uh, and, and your kind of cranky guys, but this is the year I normally push them up because of volume, but I'm not necessarily getting that as much with Ryu. <clears throat> and as you know, we we bonded over this initially, Spore. When it comes to command guys, it's harder uh, to buy in for a long period of time because there's a smaller margin for margin error. Of error. Exactly. Yep. And so, I totally agree with that. So I think that's. So I'm, I think I'm leaning a, great case. a little bit over Ryu here. I you mean, sold me. Yeah. I'm and I'm, I'm not flipping. And here's the reason why. I'm, I'm, um, I'm weak. But you so may it. you may flip me later on in the in the off or in the in, in the beginning of the you know spring training season. Until we see Strasburg actually pitch, because one of the things that carpal tunnel affects is your ability to grip things. Sure, and the touch of, of and I mean that's all secondaries. a pitcher. Yeah, I mean if he's not able to properly grip uh, the way he wants to, he, his pitches are not going to move the same way that they did yep. before. So, I mean if you're drafting right now, I think you have to kind of take Strasburg off your board unless you're getting a huge discount because the the bottom line is we just don't know. Yeah, there, there, there's no track record on this, um, and. You know, while yes, there is a chance that you get 130 innings from Strasburg and 150 innings from Ryu, and the difference in 20 innings isn't going to make make it up for Ryu. But there's also a chance you get 17 from Strasburg, right. and it's much higher considering you're coming off a of surgery. We just don't know how it's going to affect him. It's what you want to do in drafts, right? It's like the Tyler Glasnow question that we always ask. It's like, okay, like how much are we going to get out of him and the volatility? How much do you want to add to your drafts? I very much understand if it's a, you know, especially the deeper one, I would actually say Ryu, you want to do more so because it's harder to catch up later on. um, Or if you do a strategy like you do or like I tend to do, which is not take early pitching, you can't have Strasburg as your number one. Right, and if oh, you, yeah. if no, you, you, you know, or even that, as your number not. two, you want Strasburg as your number three, banking yeah. on the upside that you just got, you know, another number one or number two pitcher uh, because of the discount. Yeah, if you're heavily sure. reliant upon him, that's going to be trouble. Right, so, so uh, it's a pairing. It's it's more of okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. Did you guys your first one? Is it more of a conservative? I got my innings. I got my volume. For, Is it like for a, instance, like uh, I just took Degrom in an NFBC fifty yeah. that I showed you guys. Like if I then went and got a Strasburg later, well, I'm I'm set with Degrom and Strasburg is just icing on the cake. Especially right. if you slot someone in between there too, and he is your three. I would love yeah, that. Like Maeda. Oh. Get that would, oh, that'd be very nice. We or my aid is like my favorite thing I've been seeing. I, I love him. I, I, I love that he's getting his love too. He's great, and I do think Minnesota's going to continue to push him a bit. Obviously, innings will be weird this year in general, but respect to what he would get into uh, L.A. versus Minnesota, I think will still be good. All right, 2020 riser to buy, if any. 
Okay, you don't have to pick one here. You can talk about both and say you're not buying them at their prices. But we've got Denelson Lamette versus Fromberto, Fromber Valdez, and they are going at 77 and 82 respectively on average. And again, this is draft data from draft champions. These are 50 round draft and holds since the first of the year. That's 26 total drafts influencing these ADP numbers. Uh, Nick, back to you here with Lamette versus Valdez. They both kind of have their own issues. Lamette finished the season uh, unhealthy, but was brilliant while pitching. Fromber, meanwhile, not only had a quality season that had a little bit of weirdness to it, but then pitched well in the in the playoffs too. So, who do you like between these two uh, if you're buying either at this price? And if not, please explain why. Yes, I'm. I'm really surprised to hear that they're this close. I I, I didn't realize that at all. Um, I mean, I just to be very clear, Denilson Lamette is is the one I would go for. Um, if if I had to choose one of them, would, would you buy not, him at, at 77? I think both of them are not the price that I would be going. That's why I put if any, because I yeah. knew yeah. one or both of you would be interested in saying neither. Thank you, please. So so really quickly, I'm, I mean, it's, it's really funny to me because uh, you think of Framber and think, oh, yeah, he has a really good curveball. And Slinker isn't actually that good. I think it kind of overperformed this past year. A little worried about that, but that curveball was so good. Uh, just take both elements and make them better for Lamette. Like Lamette slider was literally the best pitch in, best baseball, pitch in baseball last baseball. year. Yep. Like it, it wasn't close. I, I believe it was Thackass uh, run value. Like it was a negative twenty. You want to be low, and the next one was like negative nine. It was I unreal. Mean, it, it, it was crazy. unreal. You know, yeah, he was on a mission to embarrass me and Justin because we were yeah. booing him so much going into twenty. <laughs> I certainly was. He's Professor Chaos. You know, Justin put him in the bullpen. Yeah. Wow. That was one of my bold bullpen. predictions was he yeah. was going to go to the bullpen. Hey, bold predictions. I, I tell the staff that's supposed to be a 10% chance. You're supposed to get exactly. one no, out of I, I don't even say that to, so to that's most fine. I was, yeah. I was right there being out on him. I just I, I didn't have him there. But like just to explain where we were, we were not lament mm-hmm. guys. I'm like two-pitch right. guy. He's he's a Not even two-pitch, like one-and-a-half pitch guy. Yeah, one-and-a-half <laughs> pitch, really, because the fastball is inconsistent, particularly against right. lefties. And so he comes through and has this breakout breakout run, and all of a sudden it's like, uh-oh, what do we do? But then he yeah. ended the season hurt, oh. and, you know, can you expect the slider to perform that well? Well, again, absolutely not. But then you got Fromber, who, like you said, overperformed, like without a doubt. You, you look under the hood, and it's hard to justify his season. And that's why calling it the two months of season is difficult. Yeah. Because it's not really like all of a sudden you stop walking guys out of nowhere, 0% raise of swing strike rate, yet his strikeout rate goes up six points. Like, I, I, I don't understand here. Uh, big home run suppression that seems a little bit fortunate, too, to be quite honest. Just a lot that worked in his favor that didn't make a ton of sense as far as how Fromber was able to, uh, you know, 357 ERA doesn't jump off the page, but then you look at 323 Sierra and 285 FIP. There was a lot going on for him. So I don't know. I'm not buying either at these prices either. I'm actually fully out on Lamette, though. I, I don't know if I'm fully, but I mean, at that value, yes. Like, I, I'm not, I'm not, one and a like, half pitches. So, this, okay, I know this is this is such a hard thing to to predict and, and to feel, you know, like, we don't know. Uh, I will say this. The Padres had two guys. I mean, it, it, they gave us the, the ability to say, look, Clevenger, we're going to look at that one. There's an issue. We're, we're addressing that. Get Tommy John. And they looked at Lamette and said, no. 
We don't need to. Yeah, and the fact that they didn't, you know, they didn't say to Lamet, like, cool, okay, you're going to get it too now, is a little more more uh, encouraging. Sure. Um, obviously, they went and got other starters, and they've talked about we want seven to eight starters to yes. flow through the year. Um, at, some people have attributed that to there's a bigger injury to Lamette. I, I don't know if I believe that. I think they just understand, like all of us do, like we don't really know what's going to happen with Lamette. I know, but they're uh, getting studs here. They're not getting right. like back. Oh, yeah. yeah. They're getting, so, they're getting I mean, they have long. five that they have now. Then they have um, they have Adrian Morehan is their yeah. sixth right now. Um, but and then Mackenzie Gore lingering. Yeah, there you go. He's eventually going to show. I'm sure. Look, like Snell and Darvish, we love them, but they also have injury histories too. So I, I think they're very much aware of that. It's not necessarily just Lamet that they're preparing for. Lamet, look, it, he's just so good. And I think, like we're talking with Strasburg and Ryu, it's still like 140, 150, right? It, it's not. It's not like 80. I don't think. I mean, I could be completely wrong with you. you have this this problem. I'll tell you what, though. It's a Ricky Bobby number. It's it's either a ton or it's well, nothing. I don't think like, it's going to be like 180, 190, though. I don't think it's going to be thing. like other guys like Gio Lido I, no, or Nolan. I mean, like it's, it's, it's like 160 or it's 40. Even oh, if, you, even if okay. you give him the full bill of health, I'm still not in. Because I just mm-hmm. don't think 2020 is sustainable in any real capacity. Well, uh, the strikeouts are because he's, he's done that. Fastball went up. The fastball went up a full tick. He did get a full. He did get a full. Well, and, and Michael Simeone. Michael Simeone talked about this on the Sunday pod. You know, he really believes that the uptick in velocity was Lamet trying something in a shortened season, knowing he didn't have to Absolutely. go too many innings that he could really ratchet it up. And then that's when the problems started happening. So mm. I, I'm super concerned. There, I mean, there's absolutely no way Lamette ends up. I mean, there, there's a better chance Strasburg ends up on one of my teams than Lamette at this point. And, and I fully admit I was wrong in Lamette in terms of oh, yeah. where I had him like, ranked and everything uh, coming into, uh, in, into 2020. But just the, I mean, the amount of people they've brought in to pitch, uh, says a lot and i mean beat reporters have already said like they're doing this because they're unsure of what lamette's workload can even be in 2021 i just i don't understand i mean we had the the question was on sunday would you rather draft denelson lamette or cut off your left foot and everybody on that podcast chose cut off their left foot. <laughs> okay, I I'll like my draft, left foot. I think I'll probably go ahead and good. draft uh, Lamette at that point. But yeah, you don't again, need that foot. It's that's true. It's not even just the injury capacity. I just don't believe that he can maintain what he did in 2020. Like there's what? there's no reason to really believe that he can. Uh, the slider overperformed to such a degree. It was excellent, but there's a difference between you know. Uh, sustainability with regards to what you know seeing what he did as real like those 69 innings were nice and real but can he push it forward i don't think so 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 what do you think he like let's say it's 150 innings i'm just throwing that out there what kind of uh obviously not 209 era and 0.86 whip and 35 percent k rate 420 is what you see. Yeah, four. Because you wanted because of the 69 innings. You not at all. <laughs> not at all. Just literally wasn't even trying to meme on that one. Okay. But seriously, like four to 420, like low four ZRA, um, insane strikeout rate, passable whip, sub 130 whip. 
because he doesn't uh he's difficult i mean to yeah hit. that's that's what you see yeah you're 100 percent out that's not yeah. even close yeah, yeah, yeah okay. i mean i'm more of like a three seven three eight era with a, that's his career now like a 125 whip uh but for me it's just i don't know what i'm gonna get in terms of innings it's just and there are too right. many guys going in this spot that I really, really like that I, I'm just never going to end up with him. I, his ADP is going to drop because there are some slow drafts going on right now where I've already seen him slip outside of the top 150. So this mm-hmm. max ADP of 121 is going to change once some of those drafts. And that being said, like, give me Jesus Lazardo, give me Ian Anderson, give me Zach Wheeler, give me Kyle Hendricks, give me Jose yeah. Barrios, give me Chris Paddock, give me Pablo yeah. Lopez. Like, I mean... And... What did you say, Pablo what? Lopez. Oh, okay, Lopez. I, I, yeah, I heard Lopez. <laughs> Lopez ate my face. Okay. <laughs> Joe I, Musgrove. I... <laughs> like, like, just keep giving Frankie Montas. Like, just give me all the guys that are going... Like within fifty to seventy-five picks of him, mm. just because I just don't trust that he's going to be on the field. Yeah, so I, I will say this about um, I, I, I I'm not necessarily on on uh, the full regression that you're talking about, Sport. Just because we saw Lamette say, "Hey, I have a really good pitch in my slider. I'm going to increase its usage by ten points," which I liked. And I don't necessarily, I'm not really on the full train of shorter season. I'm going to just now throw harder and have no repercussions. Um, I think, like, uh, I think actually Lamette was, um, well, there's the idea, like, you're throwing harder, shorter season, we're going to try more things and experiment. And, like, I'm not necessarily on that full train. I think there's a lot of, uh, I think a lot of guys were just kind of going through the season as best as they can. And Lamette, I believe, even before the season started, was, showcase and was like hinting at increased velocity came out of the gate like hitting 99 100 in that first start and we're all freaking out against the diamondbacks that was like such a cool day um i want to believe a little bit more that the velocity increase he had last year doesn't just completely go away maybe not necessarily the full tick but it's i'm i am thinking it's a better fastball than it was in 2019 and it's being thrown less often which is a very good thing too so I'm not going to fall back to like the 407 and 126 whip that he had in 2019. And I mean, I'm not saying that he's going to necessarily give back all of that velocity gain, but velocity gains are not always a good thing, especially with a pitcher that is coming off of very recent Tommy John surgery. You're saying because it leads to injury. Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, yeah, we'll see. I mean, I, I, I'm with you guys that like the injury concerns has me completely away. Like, I, that, yeah, that, that price of like under the pick 80 yeah i'm not doing that yeah just just too much being put into his 20 that i i don't think can carry forward uh, with, i'm excited with though i can't wait to watch him pitch he's so fun it's, i'm it's excited a, too hey, and, and if like, i'm again oh, no. then i'll cry <laughs> all right any breakout potential here with these 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 guys have kind of established their level i wonder if there's there's a full jump here not not like improve slight improvement i'm talking they got to go up big in some capacity here between Jose Barrios, Kyle Hendricks, and Zach Wheeler. Jose Barrios checking in at pick 83, 85 for Hendricks, and 91 for Wheeler. Do I any of those three have like a real jump coming uh, in your estimation? And if so, who is it, Justin? I mean, if any of them are going to have some sort of huge jump, I guess it's Jose Barrios because I mean, Kyle Hendricks is already 
kind of a stud, right? I mean, he is who he is at this point. And yet he keeps going down here. Yeah, and I mean, I have these guys on a lot of teams. I'm, I'm constantly picking, and I've, I've double-tapped on, you know, these three guys uh, in drafts as well. Um, and so, you know, I, I've gotten some arguments with people on Twitter that uh, Jose Barrios somehow has become this guy that people want to fade, but I understand, yeah. like, he doesn't have the super sexy profile that maybe we expected uh, from the former top uh, pitching prospect in all of baseball, and then when you watch him pitch in that curveball, you go, oh, something more is coming. Like, even if something more isn't coming, he's, like, a totally serviceable guy that you can pretty much write in for 200 innings, a pretty decent ERA, uh, strike out an inning, uh, you know, he doesn't walk too many guys. Like, he's never going to hurt you. He's the perfect guy to pair with if, if you want to take a shot on a Strasbourg, you want to take a shot on Ryu because he's going to get those safe innings that kind of keep your ratios intact. And uh, and if you told me, that, or if you try to tell me a 26-year-old, almost 27-year-old former top pitching prospect doesn't have some upward mobility in terms of his ceiling, you're crazy. Like, it's just... I, I tend to agree there. I, I, I guess the question that Nick's going to ask is where does it come from? You know, like what, what, what exactly would change with Barrios to to deliver that? Because I I understand and I kind of feel that way about him that that there should be more. He certainly has bouts each year where it looks like it's coming together for more, but then he invariably regresses into a four or five start negative stretch where home runs become an issue, and that's how his number continues to remain one point one or higher for Barrios. Uh, by the way, you're right about Hendricks. You know, including him as far as like a breakout when you have a two thirteen. 0.98 ERA whip combo in 190 inning season on your ledger. It's hard to say that there would be another level. I guess it'd be a return for him, whereas Barrios and Wheeler would be hitting new levels. But I guess that's the real question with Barrios. What would you necessarily do? You have anything in mind? Um, is it more of like nebulous development where you're like he can he can improve each pitch a little bit and it turns into like a big jump, a home run suppression? What is it about Barrios that you feel like could come through to really set him off to that next level? Because, you know, he's got a good setup in the central. He's on a good team. It's not a difficult division. What is there for Barrios to get, uh, Justin, before we get to Nick on this one? You know, I don't think we got to see, like, the improvements in the defense behind him last year. And I think, you know, if Josh Donaldson is fully healthy, uh, you know, the addition of Andrelton Simmons up the middle, moving Jorge Polanco yeah. over to second. Uh, I just think that you're going to see a guy that can rely on that defense just a tad bit more. And it wasn't like it was a bad defense. It was a very good defense behind him. But now we're talking about a potentially elite defense behind him. Uh, and, you know, maybe... I don't know. Maybe it is just me remembering the prospect pedigree a little bit, but I've always felt like Brios would be one of those guys that would take that next step in I agree. Uh, in terms of just, you know, maybe it's a different pitch. Maybe he needs uh, another pitch to come in uh, and really kind of keep fooling hitters a little bit because the fastball wasn't dominant uh, in, in 2020. Despite uh, a velo gain too, from yeah. ninety two eight to ninety four three for Barrios, it didn't really yield yeah. big results. To me, the reason I love Barrios is I feel like he is super safe. Like I, you know, I mean, he's never had 
an ERA over four. He's had an exactly like four ERA. I mean, unless we're going to talk about the 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 rookie season. So no, um, the eight innings that doesn't matter. Like never. He's never been bad, and he's always been yeah. very very serviceable. And that's something that's important, especially if you're playing in deeper leagues. I mean, Nick's may, you know, he plays in a lot of twelves, uh, and so he may go. Oh, he doesn't have the upside. I might disagree with that, but I can see the argument. Sure, sure. He, totally he's a agree. stabilizing force in your rotation in fantasy, and I think that has a lot more value than people are willing to give. This is like the first the, year like that Barrios I think too. we're agreeing on Jose Barrios. If you remember this last year, 2019, first pitch Arizona. Here I am. I'm, I'm surrounded by my heroes, Spore, Colette, Mason. And I say Barrios is going as the 20th starting pitcher, and this is ludicrous. Yes. And all I'm of you guys are like, what? How dare you? We are a Barrios-friendly group. You're right. (laughs) I mean, yeah, this is the case of, like, I don't know where it really improves. You mentioned Spore, the volatility. That comes in his curveball. Like, the times when it's amazing, you watch this pitch and you say, oh, yeah, this is an elite offering. And, my God, this is up there with, like, Aaron Nola's curveball, which was the number one CSW last year. Uh, Barrios' highest swing strike rate on his curveball was 16%. He hasn't been above 15% any season with that pitch otherwise from 2018, right? That That's that's kind of startling as it goes in and out. And, yeah, the home runs happen when he doesn't have his curveball because then it's really just a fastball. His changeup hasn't come along far enough for me to think he can be a fastball changeup pitcher. That's a huge problem. But this is the year now when we talk about innings, and I'm weighing volume up more so than I ever have. Mm-hmm. 200 innings in 2019 to 192 in 2018 for Brios. And even like the four year, right? I mean, look like mid to high threes. It's pretty much the same as like a four year, right? A three, eight versus a four. What's the big difference? Honestly, like right. one home run he allowed. That's it. So I, you know, that's kind of who he is. Sure. He can string together a three, three ERA season. That's possible. That's within the range of outcomes here for Brios. It's not going to be like a 30% K rate. We're never really going to see that. Probably going to hover like 24%. We're hoping for like a 115 whip. By the way, he's only been under a 120 whip once. And that was that 218 season, which is kind of startling. But he's not really good at hit suppression. It's always been like an eight and change hit per nine. And that's just that's maybe that defense could cash in a little bit there. Maybe that'd be one of the things. 293 Babbitt. It's not really. I think he's just kind of doesn't. You know, he's not a, a command freak, and he doesn't have this overwhelming swing strike rate pitch. Yep, so It makes it a little bit tough for him to do that, but hey, it's still 11.6% six, swing strike rate's pretty good. I think another pitch is what would set him off. Yeah, uh, but yeah, a slider or cutter, but you happen. can't bank on that. You can't. Right. You can't, we don't even know if he's working on anything, right? So it's like, right. actually, it, it's, yeah. it's too nebulous. We had this really fun conversation last year because it's a curveball. At least that's what we've been calling for ages. And all of a sudden, yeah. I think it June last year says, hey, I've been working on a curveball. I'm like, what? Are you, what? Yeah. What, what, what have you been throwing? <laughs> oh, that's my slider. Wait, Wait, saying what? that's your slider that you have at the angle of a curveball and everything. So we've been calling it that. So maybe that does show up. I'm obviously looking forward to Colette's uh, pitch tracking he, once that actually be happens. a bit slurvy at times. But right. oh, yeah, you know, I, I'm talking a full alternate Absolutely. pitch, like an right. 88 mile an hour slurve or like a 92 mile an hour cutter well, or something like that. We might see that. Yeah. Cutter could actually be really good for Brios as a strike getting really pitch. Work. And then all of a sudden the curveball slurve, whatever you want to call it. Uh, then it turns into more of a whiff pitch and you can actually use it out of the zone confidently. But I mean, 
Brios is is a little weird in that way. Uh, just to talk about the other two guys. Yeah, quickly, back to the question uh, at hand. Do you yeah. see a potential uh, either return to excellence like Hendricks had in 2016, or that next level from Brios or Wheeler where they're like sub three gods? Do you right. see any of these three performing something like oh, that? Oh man, I'm just thinking of like that dude from 300. Like I am a god. That yeah, uh, Zach Wheeler yeah. as as uh, <laughs> Gerard Butler there. Or whatever the whatever the, the the woman from um from Ghostbusters is, I can't remember her name. Um, oh yeah, I can't remember either. Uh, it's like Zenu or something like that. Uh, but any anyway, That's uh, Kyle, <laughs> uh, Kyle Hendricks. Um, one thing that I think uh, a commenter uh, alerted me on, which I think is actually really important entering 2020, was that uh, with David Ross as the manager, he was like, "Hey, uh, I'm not Joe Madden. I'm not going to like." do this whole third time through the lineup stuff with you anymore, Hendricks. I'm going to let you go. And what Hendricks did in 12 starts was 81 innings, one of the highest IPSs in the majors, which is, wait a second, you know, looking at the, the history of, of Kyle Hendricks and thinking, oh, this is someone who's going to be like 170 to 180 or so. No, no. Kyle Hendricks has the true potential of a 200 inning season. Now, like we consider the top Bieber and Cole and, and the Grom guys. And that is kind of interesting. So as far as like breakout, I could argue in some ways that could be Hendricks because of the workload relative to the rest of the pack. Uh, I, I do that. like the fact that his curveball and usage went up as well. Increased his swing strike rate a little bit. That's why we saw 11.6 from um, Hendricks. That's kind of funny, actually. The Barrios and Hendricks had the same swing strike rate in 2020. Look at that. No one would have guessed Wild. that. No. Uh, and maybe we do see that sticking. We also like the fact that his uh, fastball went up to 87 and change. Hey, good job, Hendricks. No more 86. <laughs> went We're up proud to. <laughs> went up to, he said. That's yeah. amazing. That that's Hendricks for you, but I mean, look, it's a good division to pitch in. NL Central is where you want to be as a starter right now. Yeah, uh, the Cubs aren't completely void of an offense. They still haven't dealt Chris Bryant for they now. Yeah, nice season. Uh, Javier Baez is still there. We like Anthony Rizzo in the eighth round, right? So I, I think that Hendricks can get a lot of wins going deeper into games than he used to in the past uh, or pre two thousand twenty. His stuff is still there. His WHIP has never been under. 120. I don't think that's going to suddenly been over 120. Yeah. Sorry, that's what I mean. Yeah, over 120. Right. Crazy. Uh, and strikeout rates, sure. That's really the major problem. It's going to be like 20%. Maybe he can push it up to 22 with that curveball. Find the strikeouts. He's so underrated. He really is. Hendrick yeah. is so grossly underrated in fantasy. Everyone waiting for that shooter drop. Like, how many years does it got, you know, 1,047 innings of a 312, 110, and people are still skeptical. And now, as he pushes age, 31 now they can lean on that well he's getting older and i don't want you know the rug pulled out from under me but he's always been he's always been a a bargain relative to his draft cost you know we did see some excellence out of wheeler 292 era 117 whip um wasn't super backed up by the numbers in fact his strikeout rate plummeted to 18 percent uh off a career 24 the last two years um career excuse me is 22 but it was 24 the last two years 407 sierra where are we at on Wheeler, guys? Um, can he be the stud that he was projected to be? He's going to be 31 now. I think people don't realize he's been around for a while. He has missed time, missed 15 and 16. Is there is there a sub three ERA season here that uh, that could could surface for Zach Wheeler? Justin, I'll start with you on that one. 
I don't know if there's a sub three ERA season. I mean, it wouldn't be a high probability, by the way. If we're saying this, we're talking about like a lot of things have to break. But I'm not even sure if I can see it, to be honest. Yeah, no, I don't know that I can see it either. I mean, I I think uh, the the ceiling is probably like a three twenty five, three thirty ERA. Uh, the strikeouts come back. Uh, I mean, he doesn't walk a lot of guys. He's done a really good job of uh, suppressing home runs. Uh, the last three seasons, I think he, I mean, the ceiling is, uh, I think, a little bit limited, but the floor is really nice, uh, as long as he's healthy, and he's shown health the last three seasons, and so I'm kind of banking that that's who he's become a little bit later in his career, because this was a guy that, uh, you know, really struggled with injuries, uh, you know, early on in his career, so... No doubt. I think he's just that guy that people don't find. I mean, I think he's very much Barrios esque in terms of yes. people don't think he's, you know, uh, like, you know, what are you really getting out of Zach Wheeler? Well, you're getting like 180 pretty damn good innings. I agree. And, I agree. and I'm fine the, with I think that. The strikeouts will come back. I think the yeah. strikeouts will come back. I agree, though, that I don't. I just don't necessarily see the path. I know he had a sub three ERA this past season, guys, but it's seventy one innings, a full season, and he would not have held up. I don't think, barring some absolute changes in his performance, the performance that we saw in twenty twenty, extrapolated over more innings, would have absolutely come back closer to that four oh seven Sierra without a doubt. There's just home run suppression was a big part of it. Point four homers per nine and that's just not in line with his career that's like half nick do you tend to agree that that wheeler is what he is which is solid but maybe not uh much hidden potential development there oh man um okay if you remember last year i was like go to philly get out of new york yep give me a catcher that is actually worth something Yep, and uh, and they, they got real muta back um yes. but it didn't really change too much there was one thing that i I just uncovered that was, I think, really cool for Weaver. Uh, sorry, no, Weaver. Oh, man, Wheeler. We'll talk about Weaver another time. Luke Weaver, yeah. Uh, ooh, um, for Weaver. Oh, my God. <laughs> for Wheeler. Uh, sinkers. Okay, sinkers got a huge, huge spike in O-swing. We're talking from, like, 23% to about 40%, uh, mm-hmm. which is, like, unheard of with sinkers. And he was just jamming that right off the inside corner. It's essentially the thing I talk about all the time with sinkers. I want to see that. He had a really effective one. 74 WRC plus on a sinker is, you just don't really see that. And when they're throwing this at like 97, uh, that's a really, really powerful pitch. His four seamer wasn't as good. He didn't quite elevate it as I wanted him to. Wheeler's kind of more of a east west pitcher still. And I was really hoping that when he went to Philly, that maybe he could have that sinker inside, four seamers going up and then sliders down away, making a triangle more than your general east-west or north-south, right? I The slider hasn't really taken off, and I'm, I'm a little upset about that. I really think it can eventually, but yeah, it's hard to really think that all of a sudden he can transform into a 25%-plus strikeout guy. Yeah. I am not totally out. Uh, I do tend to believe the 2018-2019 whips for Wheeler more so than the 126 from 2019. I, I I see Weaver, uh, Wheeler. Oh my! This is gonna wreck me. <laughs> I I love it. It's funny. Oh no! I uh, one twenty whip and below. I think is more likely for Wheeler. Yeah. I uh, and I think he is. I I would be really shocked personally if he's going to be uh, above a four year array uh, for Wheeler. Not to mention innings. I I honestly think look I think three straight years 
Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, yep. Being a workhorse, 182, 195, 71 innings the last three years for, for Wheeler. I also think he is going to be a good IPS guy because he is getting outs with that sinker. Um, it's yeah, also and I, and why he's not going to be like a 30% strikeout guy because he's ending these at bats differently. Exactly. And, and I think they'll push him too. It's, you know, it's their investment. That's right. their guy. He has had three years of health. I agree. And they he did a- last year. I mean, he was the guy that everybody thought was not going, he might opt out coming in yeah, to 2020 because his wife was pregnant. And then in his first start on July 25th, he throws seven innings. His last yeah. start in September 26th, he throws seven innings. This is a guy they're just going to push. I love it. I love yeah, it so and- much. And so I, I, when I look at this, I think, okay, well, I'm not going to expect like a four-year, right? Because I think he has this really good sinker. I mean, again, a hard sinker like that, that he's putting in the right spot is unbelievably good for getting innings and keeping your ratios down keep, for the most yeah, part. Just keep collecting those outs. Right. Get some of those tough outs in the middle of the game where you're not going eight, nine, ten pitches and exactly. you know, tiring yourself out and get that right. two-pitch sinker. I talk about efficiency. That is how you help your efficiency. Yep. Uh, a pitch I'm is not per out. any of these guys, really. Uh, but yeah. to answer the breakout potential, I'm not necessarily seeing huge uh, breakout there. But they're, uh, I picked these three in particular because they're kind of bedrock guys. They're foundational. Yep. They're going to give you that volume. You feel good about them. And if you can spike upside, great. But don't go in planning for it. On the next two guys, though, People are planning for upside without a doubt. And I wonder which of these two, Justin, that you're going to buy between the hype machines of Ian Anderson and Jesus Lazardo. Now, Ian Anderson came in last year, really took the league by storm, and then his playoff was off the charts. He's going around pick 93 on average. Jesus Lazardo was not as good by any stretch of the imagination, uh, but certainly wasn't bad either. He started as a, a reliever, kind of transitioned in with uh, multi-inning outings there in relief, then became a starter, got nine starts, 412 ERA, 127 whip, uh, 59 strikeouts in 59 innings. Nothing's knocking your socks off about what Lazardo did. Uh, but the market is saying, we're not giving a discount on that. And I I hate them for that. He's going to pick 96. I wish he was going a little bit cheaper based on the fact that he was, you know, disappointing is not the right word, but he wasn't, he wasn't elite in the shortened season. I think the market's still interested in Jesus Lazardo becoming something special. So which of the two hype machines, Ian Anderson, Jesus Lazardo, will you buy if you'll buy either, Justin? I think it's Ian Anderson. And it's largely because when we start talking about young guys with potential to break out, but we've actually seen them pitch in the majors, give me the guy who's done it. And Anderson's done it. I mean, what he did last year was absolutely uh, insane and I'm not necessarily expecting a repeat but Lazardo is a guy that you know we got to see him pitch quite a bit in 2020 and he's he can be very inconsistent uh you know we, we've had issue you know we had what I think one two three four seven games with two or more walks uh and I just don't trust the A's in terms of a usage perspective. I think they'll uh, be very, very uh, conservative with their uh, you know, future ace. They're a team that apparently offered Marcus Simeon a million dollars a year for the next 10 years because they're not willing to you know, hurt their bank account. And I, I think they're going to be very protective of Lazardo. And I'm just a little skeptical of that. Um, whereas Ian How many innings do you think then? 
145. How many think Ian Anderson's going to get? I think Anderson's probably going 165, 170. Uh, I don't maybe know not. I, maybe maybe I'm a little higher. I don't see the split. All right, that's fair. Them. That's fair. I, I, can, I can get behind Anderson's 165, but I think I think Lozardo's going to be right there. I don't know that they're necessarily going to baby him. Now, that doesn't mean they're going to push him 180. Plus, uh, but I think 160 is in the non-babied range. Um, Ian Anderson was excellent for not just the 32 innings of, of regular season, but his playoff run was dirty. And, you know, you got to be careful not to get the, the play, let the playoff tax get you because you're seeing the games on the on the big on the big stage there but my goodness 18 and two thirds innings where it took to the last outing against the Dodgers to allow his first runs of the playoffs. He allowed two runs. And it was hard not to fall in love with what Anderson was doing. But I want to be careful not to bring that in too much and overinflate him. Now we he's don't want to overinflate it, but we also want to add that in terms of workload. So sure. I think, you know, especially when we're talking about like a 60 game sample where guys, you know, were only throwing 60, 70 innings in a season, the guys that, uh, you know, got to throw 10 plus innings in the postseason may have a better chance of getting to those 150, uh, 170 inning marks than guys who weren't in the postseason or didn't pitch very much well, in the postseason. Lazardo tacked on eight extra in the that's, postseason. That's true. So, you know, and they, they weren't particularly exquisite innings, I will add. Uh, but 18 and two-thirds added for Anderson is nice. But that only gets him to... Uh, you know, fifty-one. 50, yeah, because because he only, threw, but he also threw alternate inning, uh, you know, alternate site innings. We just don't know how many and what that is. But there, he wasn't sitting there, right, twiddling his thumbs in uh, wherever that was. If it was Gwinnett, I'm not sure exactly where their alt site was. Um, Nick, you were cheering as Justin was uh, was talking. Oh, about he was it. good. I didn't. We're see on him. video. Yeah, you were you were you were double. Fist pump there. So you like Anderson. I thought you were a Lozardo guy, but I'm interested mm. to hear your thoughts on Anderson because he kind of emerged um, not out of nowhere. He was a prospect, but Kyle Wright, Bryce Wilson were the guys that have been getting opportunities and were expected to do stuff. Neither of them have performed. Ian Anderson comes up because they just needed somebody. They lost guys left and right this year. Sure. And he stabilized things for them both in the regular season and playoffs. You love Ian Anderson. Talk to us about him. I'm going to surprise you guys. Uh, I know that Ian Anderson was their number one pitching prospect. Yes. Okay. I know this as a fact above the other guys you just mentioned. Okay. (laughs) So yeah, this is a guy I've actually been waiting for, for a bit. I I remember seeing some, uh, one of my guys, maybe it was Andy Patton sent me video of Ian Anderson being like, Hey, this is what he looks like. And he has North South mechanics. It's really nice. It's it's something I talk about a lot with the the one thing I look for with with prospect pitchers is are they going north south? That gives you generally better command because you can adjust going east west easier uh, if you're not going cross body. If you're just going over the top, it's just an easier adjustment to make, which is actually a little surprising because his walk rates haven't really been good. It's a 10% rate in this small sample we saw in 2020 carried over into the postseason. Minor leagues, it was around 10%, if not a little bit more, too. I I think this is something with Ian Anderson. We've seen from the past of other guys that have come up. Gallon is a good example in my head. Um, Clevenger, uh, where we've seen, it, we've seen walk rates before that drop. Uh, and I think Ian Anderson is going to do it, too. And um, also, I think he's more of an 8% guy. Do you see... What I thought I felt like I saw, especially during the playoffs, 
someone who is just not willing to give in. Exactly. So and, Ian Anderson and, has this fantastic changeup, uh, which gets so many outs. It really, mm-hmm. guys just don't know what to do with this. And the way that he releases it gives a lot of deception. I hate to really put in weight with my rankings to deception, but I got to believe the, it's the, important though. And, and the there's four seamer coming up, changeup coming down. That's the Blake Snell blueprint with this fastball and changeup. It's really, really effective. And he has a good curveball. It's yep. not the big breaker that you want. It's not really the Jesus Lazardo slider that, that he has, but I think this is a pitch that's going to be very effective for him. Get him more strikes. I think if Anderson will gets more time, you're going to see that curveball being a critical component to bringing down those walk rates as well. So I, I see a pitcher here who has it already, who has the repertoire, and it's just like, cool, just give me more innings, and I got this. While you look at Luzardo, who's still figuring it out. Yeah. Uh, fastball has a lot of velocity, but he's sinker focused and it's not quite doing the stuff he wants it to do all the time. And these locations of it are not great. Slider and change of our filthy. And that's what gets us excited. But you see that whip from the Zarda last year, 127. And I wonder how long it's going to take until we start seeing a 115, 110 from him. Well, with Ian Anderson, I mean, we saw 108, 113 in the playoffs. His hit per nine. His hit suppression was so good, under six, which we're not going to expect. That was wild. But I think this is actually a skill set that Ian Anderson has above of Jesus Azardo, 8.85 hit per nine. Yes, they'll come closer together, but I'm willing to wage that it's going to be lower for Ian Anderson at the end of the day. So I think as far as a safer guy and innings-wise, yeah, you can say similar to me. I, I kind of agree with you, Mason, that the A's are weird when it comes to their young starters. They've always been. It's It's just this... I don't know what it is. I don't. I gotta figure out exactly why I'm feeling that haze, but you feel it too. So mm-hmm. I don't know what it is. And as uh, much as like I know Anderson didn't pitch a ton in the majors last year because he was up later than other guys. He went at least six innings in three of his six starts uh, in, during the regular season, and he he threw in 2019 in the minor leagues. He threw what a buck 35. So it's not like getting him to 150 or even higher than that should be much of a concern in my opinion for Anderson. Now I will say about Anderson, the, the innings, uh, having a sub six hit per nine will allow you to get innings. Cause that means essentially your pitches per route are way down and that's going to go up. So I don't actually really know if the innings will be too different with Lizardo and, and Ian Anderson, but I am leaning a little bit more towards Anderson's IPS as things for start. In that respect. But yeah, I just I just see a picture that like his foundation is really, really good. And that couldn't develop on top of what while Luzardo is a little bit more of the volatile. And I will take Ian Anderson. Now, at their price, again, it's another pair that I'm like, I think it's getting pushed up too far. I was really excited about Ian Anderson. I thought like back in the day, if a guy had like six starts like this, you know, I mean, playoff tax aside, I they people would forget about it. And you can get him like pick 150 or something like that. And there's no track record. It's, or whatever. it's harder to forget and, um, when everybody got 12 or 13 starts. Exactly. Yeah, that's exactly. a really good point. Yep. Really, really, five good starts point. at the end of September in a full season. You're right. Can go a little bit uh, tamped down when it when it constitutes what was half a season, and we're all having trouble, you know, putting this this season into proper perspective. All of a sudden, people yeah. are loving yeah. Ian Anderson, and they're really? buying it. The Daily SP Roundup I do every year. It's like September. I'm like, oh, man, I can't wait to be drafting him next year because clearly yeah. no one's going to be getting it. I'm like, I'm like, nope, I'm always wrong. No, always pitching, wrong. 
just <laughs> always gets pushed up. So yeah, I like both these both these guys. The Anderson hype though, having you know really studied him this offseason uh, and gone back and watched some of those playoff starts, I, I love. I love what he's shown. Let's yeah. go to the other end of the spectrum. Talk about a couple crusty veterans, uh, both of whom can still get it done, though. Zach Greinke gets left for dead every year by a certain subset of the fantasy community, and every year he performs. Charlie Morton struggled a little bit, closed strong, though, and looked pretty good in the bullpen. He's going to join Ian Anderson out in Atlanta, um, and I, I think what he was able to do in uh, in everything but the World Series. Once he got in the, he had one bad start in the World Series, but otherwise his playoff was excellent, Charlie Morton. So if you were a little bit worried about what he did in the regular season, uh, you probably if if you're inclined to buy Charlie Morton, you feel better about everything closing with that playoff there. But he will be 37. Uh, Granke will be 36. So let me see. I'm pulling it up. He'll be 37 as well. So uh, a couple of 37 year olds. Doesn't feel super confident in terms of uh, buying one of them, but they do keep performing. So, Justin, I will start with you on these two here. We've got Zach Greinke at pick 107 and Charlie Morton at pick 114. So about a half round apart. Nothing too crazy there in price that I, I think will sway you. So who would you prefer between Greinke and Morton if you got to pick one? I think it's Greinke if I have to pick one. I mean, I'm... Are you out on both at these prices, I'm generally pr- speaking? I think generally speaking, I have not gotten either of them. Outside of, I have Morton in my three-sport league that started drafting in, like, September. Okay. Um, I don't have either of these guys on any teams. I'm a little... I mean, I, I feel like we say this every year. I'm concerned about the velocity for, for Granky. Uh, it was be. the lowest of his career. <laughs> um, Doesn't matter. In that saying something. Uh, and so, I mean, I do wonder if we saw the be- the beginning of the wheels starting to fall off, and this is when it happens. That being said, like, all he does is produce, right? I mean, yeah. prior to 2020, his, you know, Five of his last six seasons were 200 innings. And we can actually keep going back and be like, oh, you know, six of his last eight and, you know, seven of his last, like, 13, or sorry, uh, no, I think 10 of his last 12 uh, seasons were, like, 200 inning seasons where he put up pretty darn good ratios and, uh, you know, racked up strikeouts because of how deep he goes into games and into seasons. So, it feels like Zach Cranky is ageless. I, I do have this sinking feeling that at some point it's gonna go down. But like, I can't sit here when we're talking about hitters and be like, I'm just gonna ride Nelson Cruz until he proves me wrong, and then go, oh, I'm gonna, I'm not, I'm done with Zach Cranky. I'm gonna jump off the board. Isn't it um, weird how we try to time that more so with the pitchers than the hitters? Uh, I think it's just that volatility of pitching. Like I understand the inclination to do it, but we do try to time it with the older pitchers saying, I don't want to be in on that. But with the hitters, uh, you know, somebody like Cruz who just keeps getting it done, who cares what his age is? I'm taking, I'm going down. You know, I think, uh, there are lots of people are on the opposite of that. I've gotten a lot of heat for my Cruz picks this year. And yeah, because people are like, well, he's he's Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's been a top 10 hitter, like, your top 10 or 20 hitter in like each of the last like three seasons. There's like, nothing yeah. in his profile. Sorry to detour to hitting Nick. I know you're 
having a seizure no, over there. No, this is the one exception I'll make. I love Cruz. Nelson Cruz. Okay, that's a good exception. There's literally nothing in his profile to suggest that he is coming down. The yeah. only thing you can point to is age, which, yeah, it's important, but like, I don't think it's a stand-in to just blanket say I'm out on Nelson Cruz, and I think you're doing yourself a disservice if you pass on him. But back to the matter at hand here, Nick, with Granky and Morton, do you see it similarly to Justin that, that Granky's the guy to go to after Morton struggles, or are you heartened by him really finding himself in the playoffs outside of some bumpiness against the Dodgers, which I will forgive anybody against the Dodgers, of course. But uh, did you gain some confidence back in Morton going to Atlanta, finishing strong? Is it Granky? And would you buy either uh, if I wasn't forcing you to pick one? So this is interesting. I would rather have both Morton and Granky than Ian Anderson and Jesus Lazardo. Wow. Which is, which is your not play coming in. Well, exactly. Well, it's kind of funny because I'm known as like the young guys are exciting yeah. and fun and let's have a great time. Like, they're both really good, though. I mean, Zach Greinke, oh, no, he, last year uh, he had, oh, man, a really terrible season. 113 whip and a 24.5% K rate with a 403 ERA. And by the way, the ERA was at the end of the year when he had, like, one or two bad starts. Like, really one bad start against the Dodgers. And that's yep. it. There a you two, go. Two, now it's a 280 FIP. He's going crazy. <laughs> And, and a funny thing, too, we talk about velocity. Uh, well, with, that's for both of these guys. One, with Granky, what is the story every single spring yeah. with Granky? He's throwing It's going down, an and then as yep. the season goes on, it goes up, right? Well, guess what? Started the beginning of the year around 87, even had like an 86 start and a couple of those. Last two starts, 88 and 88.4, the two highest of Starting the season. It's situated. still there. He's yep. fine. He's Zach Granky. Still on a really good Astros uh lineup really behind him yes uh he's gonna go like eight innings every start it's it's dusty baker and like it's zach Granke who has pretty much pitched every single year consistently 150 innings at least since 2008 and the down year he had was 2016 when he was injured okay that was it and that was still 158 innings yeah i mean Granke is unbelievably valuable here uh, you could. I wouldn't be shocked if he threw 200 innings again this past this, this next season. It's going to be of a whip that's going to help you. It's going to be an ERA that is going to help you. His strikeout rate is not bad. It's like 23, 24 percent. And when you're throwing as many innings as he is, when he threw 200 uh, in seven innings in 2018 with a 24 percent K rate, guess what? He had 199 strikeouts. Boom. That's huge. Yep, volume. Huge. He'll volume his way over it, his rate, and his it, rates are exactly. fine. But he volumes. It's, it, it reminds it, me of Peak Wainwright. So I, I get it. We're scared. Cliff Lee happened. We know. Yep. We remember that. That was terrifying. All of a sudden, Brandon Webb threw four innings after Spore ranked him as the third starter. <laughs> I get it. Okay. By the way, check that out. It, oh, man. 2009 rankings for Spore. I read through a lot of it. It is so entertaining. I love oh, it. And you were oh, nailing Spore. things. <laughs> so good. Thanks. So good. Uh, I'm so glad my old yeah. ranks and podcasts aren't available. <laughs> I'm, I'm no. okay with it being out there. No, there, you should be happy they're up there. Uh, it, it, it's just a different environment. You talked about Tim Linscombe having a 120 whip as your number four. And it's like, yeah. what? And loving it. Yo, we you forget know, 120 it. whip, y'all. Oh, it's crazy. At 110 for Johan Santana as your number one. Like, yep. what? It's, it's nuts. Anyway, here's 113 whip from Granky. And we think he's going to be done. Yeah, like, no, it's I, not, I don't buy it. I it's don't not going to happen. I, I'm very much in on, on Granky, but I'm even more so in on Charlie Morton because you're Love getting it. the same thing, but a better strikeout rate. 
you're, you're, that's just what you're going to get. And I and think this is Braves, form, so I think he's going to yes, pitch. Exactly. Just let him go. This is it. This is it's like a it's swan song. It's going to be awesome. And not like Swan Sun. He's actually going to be Morton. <laughs> so it, it's going to be wonderful with Charlie Morton. His velocity came up by the end. Yes, he got back uh, on That track. was the major thing we talked about with him, too. Still has an unbelievably good curveball that he's throwing more often than he used to. And the striker rate is going to be better than the 25%. And it's not the Rays. Like, the Rays have always made us wonder. Like, I know it's Charlie Morin and you kind of let him go. But it's still, like, are they going to be a little lingers, extra right? careful? Yeah, it's and still the always lingered. They gave, like him not, a, they gave him 195 credit to them. They trusted yes. him. But it, it does always linger, right? At, and I think the injury discount, or excuse me, the age discount, the ageism discount from these two uh, is enough to buy for sure. At 107 right. for Granke and again, 113, 114 for Morton. I'm absolutely in on either. Now, I wouldn't want to pair both. I think that's adding a lot of risk with that age mm. um, that is unnecessary. But I'm definitely putting one on a lot of teams. And it doesn't really matter to me. I, I do lean Morton, though. I, I love hearing how gung-ho you are. Uh, just because obviously I respect your 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 pitching takes, and when we're aligned, I definitely feel better about my position, especially if it's a position that I have a little trepidation with. And my Likewise. my pro Morton position does carry a little trepidation. So to get a backing there uh, from you, I'm 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 all about it. And um, yeah, I really don't think you can go wrong with these two. Don't be afraid of the age. Like yeah, they may break down. I'm not saying that they're infallible, but the the risk to to reward upside here for their price is too much to pass in my opinion. You know, I think, honestly, there's some residue from the time when we thought that Morton might retire. Yes. So his ADP was down, and we haven't quite recovered from that. We kind of have this... And I don't know that we will. He was down. I think the age will keep it there. Also, I mean, it's not just the retirement talk. It's it's the injury, I think. You know, because Morton was a guy who struggled with injuries early on in his career. One of the reasons, you know, one of the reasons why it took him for so long to break out and why he was a late career breakout guy. And so I think people are like, Oh, okay. Are we going back to the Morton of old? I'm, I'm very torn on it personally. And I just, I, the playoffs actually helps me feel a lot more comfortable that not only did he finish healthy, he finished strong. Um, I still do. There's just that feeling like, Oh, is this guy going to go back to being the injury Morton that we've seen, you know, prior to the breakout, uh, I don't know. I, I think it's I'm a just, really good I, point. It's an and avoid it's actually, for even me. As you say it, even as you say that, I'm kind of thinking I should probably lean slightly Granky above Morton just because of like I feel okay, so who's comfortable gonna, with who's likely to get 190 innings and like all right then fine Granky. But I I like both of them more than Luzardo and Andy Anderson is pretty much that's, the point. That's here. the take right there. Yeah, that's that the take. I, I like I like I like Granky more than Luzardo. I don't know if I'm I think. That's Lazardo well, and Morton is a tough toss up for me. So you're you're wondering about innings, right? You're the, the volume of it. But like what what do you think is a reasonable range for Morton? I mean, I want I want to say 130 to 160 start every third day. 300 innings. <laughs> <laughs> no reason oh, not. man. I Imagine mean, if like actually Bauer did that. That'd be hilarious. It would be amazing. I I, I would embrace it. Um, I mean, I'm sure he will do it oh. once he signs in the KBO because <laughs> apparently no major league team wants him. Uh, but uh, yeah, I don't know. All I right. mean, we've we've seen Morton go over one 
156 was the minimum, essentially. 2017, 18, and 19. 167 in 2018, then 195, essentially, in 2019. Yes, there, then, then like he came back a bit last year. The Rays were like, all right, we just want to make sure you're not completely messed up. I like yeah, what ATC I, I, has for him. 152, you know, 9.7 strikeouts per nine, 383 uh, ERA. And, I like uh, better ratios, but I, I can't. Yeah, I do, uh, too. Right, and that's the thing about it. So, like, 152 is kind of close to the Luzardo projection you had, right? I would think that the ratios are going to be better for Morton, and then the strikeout rate is similar, if not better, for Morton as well. And he's getting to, uh, put, I mean, if there is no DH, getting to pitch in the National League yeah, and hey, getting right. to pitch against right. hitters who have not least. seen it. At least it's kind of it, it is the NL East, but he's on one of the great teams in the NL East. Yeah. Yeah, so definitely. he really only has to face the Mets. And then um, the Phillies are not bad, but they're not imposing. Right. Yeah, you're not you're not the scared Nats about are a little uh, bit scary. But Nationals I mean, they're not as scary as they have been in the past. Like, no, I agree, but I don't think they're done either. I think they there, there's no Pittsburgh Pirates or Kansas City Royals team <laughs> there. Like, hey, Royals not... can be kind of good. All right, don't hate on the Royals here. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we got to move on, or else we are going to be here for nine hours. So we're going to try to pick up the pace here. I'm here for it. See if we can finish this list uh, with w- within you know reasonable time before Justin has to get a divorce. Uh, lack of track record guy. Both guys here. One guy has been around for a while, but he hasn't had quite an excellent track record. That's Dylan Bundy. Broke out this year in the shortened season. And then Chris Paddock has only been around for a second. Had the excellent debut. Really came back to the pack this year. I think I'm starting with Nick on, on this one here. Um both guys interesting, without a doubt. You know, I, I know I keep using that word a lot with this group. It is an interesting group, and that's kind of a catch-all word. I, I hate to use that as a, too much of a crutch. But let me tell you that Bundy's 98 ADP, and Paddock is right after him at 104. So they are the, they are back-to-back there at 39 and 40th pitchers overall, and that includes relievers as well. They don't separate them on NFBC. So I got 39 and 40th pitchers here in Bundy and Paddock. Track record is not lengthy for either, but uh, talent. I think is is abundant for both. Do you have a strong preference here, Nick? So Alex Fast, put on your earmuffs as I am going to go for a paddock here. I I love this. Mason is like celebrating. He oh is, man, is fired up about. So this. one thing I want to make sure is understood is that Dylan Bundy isn't really a workhorse. Uh, he's never been that. He's never pitched 180 innings. I mean, 160 to 170 is essentially 17 through 19, which is actually really good. I there's just a lot of like like I think the understanding is that, oh Bundy's gonna get more innings in Paddock because he's you know he hasn't really pitched much he had 140 innings and then the Padres are doing the whole six manish thing or whatever and we're not really gonna see that big stuff well I don't really think we're gonna see it from Bundy either so that's kind of a wash in my head I uh, the uh, the bigger question to me is well I love what Bundy did don't get me wrong we were so excited and it was wonderful and beautiful to see him blossom with uh with the slider usage and and the first pitch curveballs craziest thing to me was the last two starts of the year when bundy had been like all right 40 percent hovering fastball usage right i get this throw that slider you know 30 percent of the time the last two starts he goes 48 percent fastball and then 55 percent fastball going well under 20 percent sliders in both and he wasn't as good. He had five strikeouts total. Yeah. Yeah. Eight 
eight earned runs. And it's a small sample of we've seen the success for Bundy after a long time of not. Well, now, the approach, okay. approach changes are very significant. You know, I think that he's still going to likely be aiming to go for 40% fastball as opposed to the 50 to 55. The first pitch curveballs, I think, are going to still be there. The slider is a really good pitch, better than any uh, secondary pitch that Paddock has, including the Vulcan changeup. I like the slider more from Bundy. Mm-hmm. It's just, uh, we, we saw this explosion. We saw three starts of double-digit strikeouts from Bundy. It's not done. This isn't all of a sudden he's put his, uh, you know, a new stake in the ground. No, now it's Paddock. Fair. Yeah. Hey, We're go ahead. Though on Bundy. Prior to going to LA though, 333 innings of 24% strikeout, 8% walk. Home runs were a big issue. He really cut into that this year. He was 1-9 from 2018 to 19. Just awful home run machine. 16 and 17 by the way, pretty home run machiney as well. Cuts it down to 0.69. I'll spare you the joke. Um, but it was an excellent rate and, you know, Home run to fly ball at 8%, maybe bounce that back up closer to, say, 10-12 league average area uh, just to kind of regress it out. I still think he's coming in under his normal home run suppression, and you go with a good profile that's already been there from the strikeout-to-walk perspective. And I think there's more to Bundy here than just a a two-month breakout. I think you know getting out of Baltimore certainly helped. Getting out of Camden Yards and the NL uh, AL East, excuse me, helped with that home run suppression, but also the stuff that he did, the changes that you mentioned. So I don't know. I think I think he's a little bit better here. Whereas I look at Paddock and he's got a limited. Uh, arsenal that is going to even develop a third pitch. So I, I, I like Bundy. I, I was pretty okay. high on him going to LA. So maybe I'm just carrying that over because you know I got a call right. For I once. mean, I, I love that. <laughs> I so I mean just to just to reiterate, I uh, 329 ERA, 104 WHIP. Right. Essentially, what we saw was the peak of Bundy. Without you know what normally happens through a full season, you do have like you have some approach changes, and when they work, it's great. Mm-hmm. I think there's uh, that you fall back. I don't want to say assumption. It's like it's not necessarily old habits. It's more of well, we haven't really seen the full volume of what those changes entail yet. Sure, it's a small sample of it, and I don't think we're seeing a four seven ninety array again, right? I don't. I don't think we're seeing that one point six one homer per nine. I don't think the one point six homer per nine that he has for his career is going to stick around for Bundy. And you know, just under 0.7 home run per nine isn't going to stick either, right? Sure. So, I mean, Something so that's going to go up, as you acknowledged. It's more like, yeah, where where does he then fall in? Where does the actual full season of Bundy uh, land? And I think we saw at the end of the year last year, like, oh, right, he's not just completely fixed forever now. And that is what gives me the hesitation. I don't really know where that's going to be. But I guess the real question then is, is what does Paddock do better? Because he has sure, a shorter yeah. arsenal. Paddock. And even in his breakout 2019 with the 333 ERA and .98 whip, it came with a 383 Sierra because he himself has home run issues that was at a 1.5 rate exacerbated to 2.1 this past season. And so he also has good core skills, strikeout and walk, but a home run issue that we haven't seen uh, yeah. suppressed in the major leagues. And he's a two-pitch guy. I don't believe in the breaking ball. It's it's not it's not a trustable pitch. Uh, I mean, this is a fun conversation because once again, I'm not getting either one of these. Uh, okay. And so Paddock, I it's actually it's a complete inverse to me. Uh, Bundy, we saw the peak of a full season. We yeah. uh, like I'm seeing 2020 as let's say it was a full year. We got the grouping with Bundy where it's a, he's at his best essentially, and we got the grouping with Paddock when he's at his worst. 
that's how I'm framing 2020 a bit. Because I think Paddock's fastball is better than what it was. There was some talk about spin access. It wasn't getting the, the same efficiency that it used to get. Mm-hmm. I, I very much believe Paddock is actually a very good volume quality arm. Where it comes to the floor of what you're going to get should be higher than what we saw in 2020. Still, with a 473 ERA, because of those home run issues, it was still a 122 whip, which is very good. Uh, and a 24% K right. And that's really good. The the split, this is crazy. I normally talk, I don't like number two pitches being a a splitter, variety of any kinds of split changeup, Vulcan one. It was exactly the same. You know, it was like pretty much down the board. It was the same pitch it was in 2019, if not better, which is encouraging. I mean, I I do talk about splitters not being the thing because on the days that's not there, you got to have something else. But generally, when we talk about Paddock, it's the fastball. It's that the, that's the pitch that carries him through the starts. And when that's the case, that makes me feel a little bit better about the number two pitch being a splitter. So it does hinge on, you know, the real question with Paddock is like, how do you feel about that fastball? Is it going to return to 2019 levels or is it just going to be exactly what we saw in 2020? I'm more inclined to think that it's a 2019 variety over the long haul. And because of that, that foundation he has, I'm siding with Paddock not hurting you while Bundy has a higher risk of hurting you. Okay. I, I, I come out disagreeing on that one, but uh, I, I see the case. I don't right. dislike Paddock. I don't. I, I don't. But I just you think Bundy. You hate Paddock. No, I don't. <laughs> I don't. But deeper arsenal, I love the changes that he made. And I think there's definitely something here with Bundy, whereas Paddock, I wish we had that third third pitch. Uh, right. Justin, where are you at between these two, Paddock and, and Bundy? Do you have a do you have a distinct pick between them? Uh, and then we'll move on. Yeah, I mean, you can't see. I mean, people listening can't see me in the background on mute, just cheering Nick on, and I mean, literally wiping tears out of my eyes. <laughs> That's the support as, I've always wanted, basically, <laughs> as he slanders Dylan Bundy. <laughs> Um, you know, and we're going to, I'll, I'll repeat something I've already I'm said on this. Yeah. <laughs> I'll repeat something I've already said on this podcast, but I was wrong. I was wrong on Dylan Bundy. I was, I was the, you know, you know, burn me once, shame on you, burn me 434 times, shame <laughs> on me, uh, with Dylan Bundy. So I was not even close to being like the train had left the station and I was still like, no, nah, I'm going to stay over here, guys. Uh, that being said, I mean, he was fantastic. You know, the one concern with Bundy that I don't think you guys brought up is the velocity drop at the end of the season. Mm. And the change in picks, oh, yeah. pitch mix may have been related to that he drop in velocity. Fastball. He threw more fastballs when it was going slower. It was like, mm-hmm. what are you doing, Bundy? You've yeah, got I mean, the tools. He was at 91-2 to start the season. In his last start, he was at 88-5 and throwing at 55% of the time. That tells me that there was something going on. And with Dylan Bundy's track record of uh, health issues early on in his career, I mean, that's the reason why it took him so long to get back up to the major leagues. I just worry that something is going on there in a guy that was throwing so many uh, sliders. Uh, earlier on in the season, so I'm, I'm, I'm a bit concerned about that, and for that reason, I've never been a big Dylan, or I haven't been a big Dylan Bundy guy in recent years. Jumping or staying off the the bandwagon, let other people take that, and if it works out for him, great. But I, I'm worried over the course of you know 30 starts that something really bad's going to happen. You know, Paddock is a guy yeah. that 
yes, the two pitches are an issue. I, I, I would really like to see a third pitch develop at some point, but we've also seen him be very, very effective with two pitches in the majors. Like you guys mentioned, does not walk, guys. Uh, I mean, huge walk jump from the minors when he literally walked nobody. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I believe that there's a little bit of bounce back. I think, you know, an offseason that's normal, that gives him an opportunity to really work on his pitches, um, gives him an opportunity to kind of get back to what we saw in 2019. Uh, and I'm willing to take the gamble, especially as, like, my number three starting pitcher, to have the upside of a guy who, you know, was pretty much like a, a number one or, or high-end number two uh, in 15-team leagues just makes me willing to take that gamble with Chris Paddock. Do you remember the the trades of DeGrom for Paddock that were going around? Oh, man, that was funny. Yeah. It was it was insane. Um, yeah, these two, these two guys here, uh, they're going to be really... Uh, they're going to have their proponents that people are really excited to get them as their three, maybe four, depending on how high high they're drafting pitching. And people will be like, I got to get I got to get Paddock to fit this in. I'm a big Bundy believer. I got to get Bundy. I think they're going to have their big proponents that mm-hmm. are going to keep their ADPs around here, even as they have pockets of folks who are kind of out because they've been burnt by Bundy too many times or they don't trust Paddock being essentially a two pitch guy. But um, I could I could roster either. I do lean Bundy. A little bit, but I could really roster either. Uh, Nick said no, thanks. He's not really rostering either, but he did pick Paddock. Are you rostering Paddock? Uh, yes, specifically, when, Justin. When he drops in a draft, I mean, okay, in a fifteen-team league, below. yeah. If he becomes my SP three, then I'm totally fine uh, okay. with that. Yeah, I, I mean, even yeah, hearing you go, Mason, like. I'm starting to think I might be in on Paddock if it's this low. Um, it, it, as my SP 3.5, um, to, to even sometimes, I mean, I, I talked to you about this before. Like in a 12 teamer, I'm trying to get four starters that I believe I won't drop through the year yes, before the end of four. the 10th round. And I could see Paddock, you know, if I go after him in the ninth round, 10th round as my SP 4, that could happen. Uh, and that's cool with me. So I yeah, might actually be, be really going nice after Paddock there. That'd be really nice as a form. All right, let's move on to another group of uh, another pair of 2020 risers. And then uh, still have the if any on the buy question here between Pablo Lopez and Kevin Gosman. Uh, they both broke out. Lopez showed some stuff in 19 that kind of hinted that there was more here. Really took it to the next level with, uh, with, with the Marlins. Obviously, two-month season. Standard caveats continue to apply here, but I like what he did. Meanwhile, Gosman talking about Orioles, guys that we've been waiting on both just to get out of Baltimore uh, and then for them to kind of do their thing absent that. Remember, he closed 19 in Cincinnati in their bullpen. And I remember when your Giants signed him, Justin, I was like, I hope they just keep him in the bullpen because I love Gosman, but it just has not really been working. Uh, He's a two-pitch guy. Make him the closer or make him a two-inning, uh, every-time-out mega-stud reliever, fireman, uh, but maybe not start him again. That's probably why I'm a dork who plays video games and, and writes about fantasy baseball. And people like uh, the Giants have in their front office, they do what they do because they know what's up. They started him. He ended up kicking butt this year, uh, accepted the qualifying offer, which I thought was smart on his part, get 18 milli for this year. And if you back it up again, you might get 18 milli per year 
on a multi-year offer uh, in, in this upcoming winter. So that's the scene set there for you, Justin, between Pablo Lopez, Kevin Gosman. They are going ADPs of 114.12 and 114.50. Like they could not be closer with Lopez narrowly edging him out. Who do you prefer, Justin? Paul, I got a. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I got a question for you. Ooh. Do you remember the first podcast so you and I ever did together? Is it? Did we argue about Gosman and Harper, or was it just Gosman? It was just Gosman. Well, okay. might, I, Harper might have been on that, but I think I know that doing... became that was a point of contention yes. between us two, Bryce Harper. We argued I, I about don't... who loved Kevin Gosman more. That's right. That's right. We were both on the, the hype train, and then we mm-hmm. probably tried to disavow that quickly as yes. he continued to put up like four something yes. ERAs. Mm-hmm. So, so, do you love him more because he's on your favorite team? No, it's actually a little bit of the opposite. I, I don't think I can pay for this price. You're moving away. Okay, he's become full price, and now you're quitting. I just like yes, you can't he, handle the heat. He was you're big absolutely stopping. You already sold your shares. You little crybaby. <laughs> Baby boy. I, I, I kind of understand what's going on with the GameStop thing, but I don't. Yeah, I, I, I read a bunch of stuff. I'm pretending like I like I know a whole bunch. I yeah. don't. I just read a bunch of stuff yesterday. But no, so so I understand that, though. It is full price now, right? Mm-hmm. It's easy to buy Gosman when he is the uh, the proponents like us who still love him and we're getting him 50 picks after where he's going now, even later. Like He had 200-something ADPs in a lot of drafts in recent years. If he was Not just so much going any- two rounds later, like I would feel much more comfortable grabbing him. And I, and I targeted him in leagues and been like, all right, next round, next, and then it goes right in front of me. Every like, once yeah. in a while he does. He has a 139 max, which is exactly that. that Not in any uh, of my drafts. No, 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 no. I'm an idiot, by the way. That would be one round anyway. That wouldn't even be the yeah. two rounds you're looking for. If you're looking for two rounds, you're looking for pick 140-something around where uh, Patrick Corbin and Frankie Montas go, and he's just not he's just not going there. It would be great if he was. Nick gives the, gives the thumbs up on that. It would be great, but he's not going there. Right. So are you going with Lopez then, or are you, yes. are you worried about his price? Okay. okay. I actually, so I, I really Lopez. like Lopez. Lopez is a great example of – a player burning you like really, really hard, and yes. you not just quitting him because of that. Yep. Um, you know, Nick, and, and I'm going to give all the credit in the world to Nick. Nick was on Lopez before anybody had any idea who Pablo Lopez was. I bought in and was like, all right, I'm with you, Nick. He burned us both, and then the price was just nothing last year. And I was like, you great. know what? I'm going to take a shot back that, that Nick was right. Um, and he was so effing impressive. I mean, guy doesn't walk guys, lowered the home run rate, the strikeouts, you know, went up over strikeout and inning. Uh, he just, he was, he was everything that Nick had kind of projected him to be. And I don't see anything in the profile that tells me he can't repeat what he did in 2020, which is like a mid threes ERA and a boatload of strikeouts. Um, and you know a pretty darn good whip, which is I think an underrated asset in in fantasy. I really like Pablo Lopez, only twenty four years old. There, which tells me there's a chance that there's more to this too, uh, yep. that he could mm-hmm. take another step. And yes, the price is much more expensive than it was, but considering the track record of guys going behind him, like Gosman, like McCullers, like Musgrove. Uh, I feel very. I feel a lot more comfortable that 
Pablo Lopez, Pablo Lopez can maintain what he did as opposed to those guys who've bounced around a lot. Sure. Yeah, I, I like Lopez uh, quite a bit here. I remember writing about him in the offseason last year about uh, somebody with good pitches. It was a series about good pitches from bad pitchers. Bad only meaning that they had a 450 ERA or higher. That he wasn't like truly bad. I mean, he had a five-something ERA, but he had that 10-run outing versus the Mets and then like shut them out the very next start. Like He bounced back completely. But he had a really strong changeup that I was impressed with. Uh, he has solid velo. Um, and he works, you know, he's still trying to find that third pitch between like the curve and he incorporated a cutter this year at an 8% clip, but that, that's, that's a show me pitch. It's really fastball change up right now. But if he gets that, that, uh, that breaker and decides what he wants, I really think there's big, big upside here with Gosman. He really is still a two pitch guy and it is fastball, fastball splitter, which is, you know, a concern for Nick when, when the splitters featured so prominently, he did make it work for sure. And he was great out in San Francisco. I'm actually okay with both prices here, but I'm leaning Lopez myself. I I will still pay the freight for Gosman. I've been on this train this long. I'm not getting off even as, even as I've been, what is it called? An Acela train. I think that's like a faster, more expensive train. Yes. He's been upgraded to the Acela. <laughs> I'm still paying. Okay. Love that's that. from listening to Tony Kornheiser. He takes trains everywhere. So he talks about trains. Uh, so that's where I get that knowledge, but I'm going to go Pablo, but I would really roster either. So if I get to this point in the draft and I'm targeting these two and say Morton's gone already as well, I'll just take who's available personally. So I don't have a strong lean. Nick, are you, hey. are you are you going somewhere here? Are you going to go Gosman? Are you going to lean with Justin? Or are you more with me kind of fence sitting and you take either? Where, which of the three out- outcomes do you go with? This is interesting because there are three guys um, that are going like two rounds later that I would rather have than both of them. I don't get to pick them right now. Wow. Um, I want to know which, that, uh, two, which, which three guys. Right, yeah, I'm happy to say them. them. Um, Sandy Alcantara, Patrick Corbin, and Frankie Montes. Okay. Uh, all see, three I, of those I, like I would rather have. Yeah, you I know. So, you're not gonna. You're not gonna. And it's it's a major. Uh, it, that. The I fact like that, that it's that far of a, of a difference. I mean, I'm seeing it since December first. I don't know exactly what ADP. It, you're it's about around. It. It's closer to. Oh, so I'll just give them to you. Sandy, yeah. Go ahead. Alcantara's at 136 to uh, mm-hmm. Lopez. The, the 114 is where Lopez and Gosman were. So you got 136 there for Alcantara. You got 139 for Corbin, and you got 153 for Montas. And I would put him above. Those other uh, four, by the way. So yeah. I'm with you there. I'm totally with you there. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I tie your well, hands and make you pick one, oh, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so yeah. So I, you know, we'll talk about those guys maybe later on. I mean, yeah, yeah. We're going very long on. We're this going very long. We're probably, I'm not. I thought that's not the line. It's the a different one. line. Um, but I, between the two of them, it is Pablo Lopez for me. Uh, Kevin Gaussman, though, I, I really got to say a couple things about him quickly. Yeah. One, his splitter has never been bad. It's it's one. It's the rarest sp- split. I would actually say it's the best in baseball because you. it's just been the most consistent one that you just don't see. He's the exception to the rule in many ways. It's not a strike getting pitch, though. And I think the big, biggest improvement Gaussman made was throwing a harder fastball in 2020. That wasn't great still you know it still had a poor uh, wrc plus of 125 but it wasn't the 140s that he had in three previous years and it doesn't need to be an elite offering it just needs to be setting up the elite offering that is a splitter so if it's that bad it's kind of like the cleveland rule 
then this is okay. And that's kind of what made uh, Gaussman much better last season, a take extra velocity. And I really want to mention this. I know you'll side with this, Spore, is is game log hunting and understanding the schedule of Gaussman. Because if you were a manager of Gaussman last year, it was torture. Yes. Absolute torture. Because you don't know with Gaussman if you're starting him or not. We don't have a good assessment of him. And you're like, if you're thinking he's going to have a good year, but then you're like, oh, he has the Dodgers first. Okay, you know, first game, fine. I'm not going to start him there. Four innings, two hundred runs. Oh, he gets the Padres next. That's such a good offense. Fine, fine. Not that one. Okay. Three and runs, 4.1. Oh, he goes to Coors and then the Dodgers. Okay, fine. And Waiting until after both that. Of those, though. But then he was really good. So they go, okay, fine. I'm going to go. I'm in for the Athletics and the Angels. He did get. 19 strikeouts, but also seven earned runs and didn't go six innings in either. Fine, I'm out against the Dodgers and Coors now. But then all of a sudden, Coors is not so bad. And then you got finally, finally you got your respite in the final four starts when they left four earned runs and got like, I don't know, I'm saying like 25 strikeouts, rough averages there against the Diamondbacks, Athletics, uh, Rocky Road, and even... Well, you got one oh, inning closed. of relief. So it's just three closed starts. That's yeah. all you got was just those three starts after this magical season. That was a 362 ERA, right? Like, that was maddening. Okay. And especially just in the shallow crazy. league where you could reasonably not be starting him right. for those outings. And oh, it was torture. So it was torture so, with, with Gosman, for sure. So I want to, I want to, we kind of forget the tale of the season of mm-hmm. rostering a guy. And we'll say the fact that Gosman came out on top there is really encouraging. But he really, it was just those last three starts that anyone really got, and they were really good. But the, I don't think the schedule is going to be as impressive, or like he's not going to be able to get the Diamondbacks and then Oakland and then hosting the Rockies always. Like, I think he has a favorable one to start the year. But it is a little more of like, all right, I don't, I don't know if I'm going to feel so confident through the year with Gaussman. Now, Pablo Lopez, I think Pablo Lopez has a really nice foundation for his repertoire. His sinker and forcing are both really effective pitches. Excellent command getting that sinker inside. He is opening up towards more elevated four seamers, uh, which is which is very good too. Change up obviously we know is great, but it is more volatile than I would like to say. Uh, there are starts where it just isn't quite the same, and that's what opens up those blowups that we've seen for two straight years. One was against the Mets, I believe, and the other one was against the Braves. And of course, then he just did, was great after. And anyone that says, oh, this is the end of Pablo Lopez, don't be so foolish. Stick with him. You were rewarded in both cases, both years, when you stuck with him because he had brilliant starts the day after, uh, the start after. So with the repertoire of, of Lopez, I don't know if I'm sold that he's going to develop that, that curveball into that big pitch. But the one I am excited about is the cutter. Pablo Lopez's cutter, I think, is going to continue to improve. And actually, he's talked about his encouragement for having pitches that go inside to opposite batters. Mm-hmm. Cutters inside to lefties, sinkers into righties. And I think the changeup, he's really embraced righty on righty crimes with that changeup, which means it. that splits-wise, I think he's just going to get better with that cutter inside uh, to lefties. So I am very encouraged about that. It's not... Uh, because of the volatility of that changeup, I'm not so encouraged that like he's going to be this 25 to 30 percent strikeout guy. And there is this innate like you're going to have some problems along the way. But I really like the foundation of Lopez for the most part um, over Gaussman. And if I had to choose one of these guys, it's him. I love it. I love it. I think um, I think those two are are they're going to be on some of my squads. I, I'm, yeah. I got to get back on the Lopez train for sure. And I'm not jumping off this Gosman train. So I, I will have both. I, All right, I'm, not, I'm not jumping I, off Gosman either completely. Sure. I just, I, the, it's the price that Understood. like Nick said, yeah. this oh, yeah. guy's going after him that I feel more comfortable about. You know, I will yeah. say Lopez's floor this year, 
410 here. <laughs> <laughs> That's the joke to, uh, what was it, last year or the year before? Oh, uh, entering like, 2019. Floor is like a 410 year. I was like, That's not what a floor is. <laughs> I know. I, 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 in my head, I was thinking because he was going to keep the velocity gains he had in spring, and he did totally keep those velocity it's, gains. And I just, yeah, so that was bad on my part. Like a five, though, right? It, it, you, you never really. Oh, believe. man. Like a five ERA, but I think what, what <laughs> realize is that a five ERA doesn't mean that you are horrible all year. It's not good for fantasy all right. at all, but you still have to have a lot of good starts to get to a five ERA. All right, we're only going to do one more of these remaining four here. So I think uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't allow you to talk about Joe Musgrove. So we'll just take number nine here, and we'll just go with a straight up who you got, Lance McCullers Jr. or Joe Musgrove, because I know you like Lance McCullers as well, Nick. Going to start with you on this one, McCullers. Or Musgrove, the new San Diego Padre. Oh, man. God, I, okay, I love pitchers. I love Joe Musgrove for all the years. I mean, it, he's just uh, seeing his de- development in September in both years, 2019 and 2020. He gave us very encouraging signs for the next year. This past season, his CSW was like 50% on both the slider and curveball as he started throwing the pitches like 50% of the time. That's exactly what you want. And uh, we haven't quite seen the velocity gains that we were hoping for the, that he was coming out of spring training with. Mm-hmm. Uh, he did have the better analytics uh, inside of Pittsburgh when they did that overhaul entering this past year. He goes to the Padres now, which I think is a solid upgrade for him with a better lineup behind him as well. Yeah. Uh, but it's there's still things that we're waiting for. And I, as far as workload, uh, I dream of a 200-inning season. But I have to think it's closer, like 150 or so this upcoming year. I can't really bank on it like I want to. Uh, versus McCullers, well, McCullers is going to strike out a lot of guys, and his whip is going to be good. And he's developing his cutter and changeup more. And there are a lot of encouraging signs. And he learned, like, oh, yeah, don't put my breaking ball and fastball and changeup in exactly the same quadrant of the strike zone so that guys look in one spot the entire start. Yeah. Sorry. But uh, <laughs> you, you learned not to speak do that. From particular experience. No, maybe, maybe a couple. I uh, but no, McCullers I think is a is a is a talent when it comes to your the strikeouts. You're going to get a solid year rain whip. I think it's just a safer play. Uh, innings is a little more difficult, but now <laughs> after Tommy John, I uh, this would be the year that we would see 150. So it's closer. I'm expecting more start from to, muster, but I, I think, think it's closer. Start to pull it off. I think they yeah. start to pull the reins off a little bit on McCullers, and they got to start to see like where they're at, right? He's going to be 27. He has not pitched over, I think, 131 innings in the majors. Actually, 128 is his MLB yeah. high. Um, I'm sure there's a season with minor league innings where his total was a little bit higher, but he's not been a big no. volume no, guy. There isn't. Whereas, <laughs> whereas I... Musgrove, you know, buck 70 in 2019, he did the full 30. He did 31 starts. And I, I love Musgrove. It's Musgrove for me. I love both guys. Uh, I'm not trying to fence it here. Musgrove is the pick for me. But McCullers is somebody that I just I love the, the talent per inning. And so Mason. I'm willing to take the uh, the potential low inning count for the talent. This, this should start. Yeah, this shouldn't be. Two innings and 125 in 2015. So he went above it. He did 150. Okay, in 2015. In 2015. That's saying, very recent. did. Very 2015. <laughs> basically yesterday. Uh, yeah, no, basically just yesterday. listen. If 
this is the video games in you guys. You you want to turn off the injuries and be like, here, look, I can get two hundred from Lance McCullers. No, or, no, it's not. Or it's even one fifty. I he, even said that I gave it to to Musgrove, but I said the gap is smaller than uh, you know we were entering twenty twenty. It's not turning that's, off. That's yeah, because it's, he was coming off a of Tommy John surgery. The gap was like super super wide. Like I, I'm sorry, like I love Lance McCullers. When you watch him pitch. It, it, I'm just in awe of of what Lance McCullers can do with a baseball, but dude has not thrown 130 innings in a season since 2015. There's, I remember that 2015? That was a good one. Exactly. Yeah, right. So, <laughs> I mean, I don't like the projection systems. All have them outside of zips. All have them for 151 or 160 innings. Like that's insane to me. That's not insane. Uh, I don't it think is. It's, it's absolutely insane. He's, he's threw 25 games in 2018, his last healthy season. Like, it's not insane. Stop. It's not insane. And then missed a whole season. Well, yeah, he had Tommy John surgery. Yeah. Right. I'm just saying. Like, now he's recovered from it. Again, this goes back to what I was saying earlier about the injuries. We're not that precise to know that he's this exponential risk over the other guys, right? Yes, Musgrove we do, because has, he's been an injury risk his entire career. Like all We're he, not saying 180. He exactly. has more injuries than strikeouts, and he has a lot of strikeouts. <laughs> the thing of it is, though, you cannot say with any real confidence that he can't throw buck sixty plus this year. I can say because, it with some real confidence. I mean, <laughs> I can. It's it, he's not. Okay, you know what? I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this, Mason. Let's say it's 130 is what you're saying, right? Okay. Okay. Let's just say it's 130. Musgrove, where do you? How many innings do you have for him? Musgrove, I'm putting him at 170. <laughs> 170. So, I mean, he had he was injured in that. 2020. He had 170 in 2019. The Padres have already expressed kind of like, we're going to not let anyone really go much, uh, like really get pushed. Musgrove that, that's an be... interesting theory until you like start taking guys out. Until for you injuries. Have to pitch yeah. Him. yeah. Sure. That's very fair. I mean, it's a pipe dream, mostly. Especially when, you know, part of that equation has Denelson Lamette in it. And Blake Snell and, and you Darvish and Blake Snell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not <laughs> as worried like, about them. I mean, Snell's injuries aren't like, you know, he what he slipped in the fucking shower Look, and yeah, like, that, I mean, that like, well, was... he's got the elbow though, though. That was Yeah, like, that's the, true. And um, yeah, chips. But yeah, no, I if you've seen a forty inning split, that's that's pretty severe. I just I just think age 27 McCullers, again, I'm just not willing to say that he's only a buck 30 guy. I understand the health. I think it's in there in the pricing because on a per inning basis, he'd probably cost more if people weren't worried about the health. By the way, he's 117 to Musgrove's 127, but Musgrove has a massive green arrow. He's going up. They will be matching, and Musgrove may pass him by spring. So be well. Oh, he's be ready yeah, I mean, pay. he's already I mean, if you've been in any drafts recently since that that Padres trade, I mean Musgrove is going to be going ahead of guys like Zach Wheeler and Ian Anderson. Like Musgrove is gonna be a top hundred pick. Man, I, I love this. I like I, I understand. I'm so excited about Musgrove and it pains me a ton. The problem is everybody like is. go against us. I know. Well that's so I mean, and I and I like, love Joe Musgrove. He's just safe, but... right? I'm I'm taking less risks this year. I I'm feel like the innings not... you'll get from McCullers are are a higher likelihood of being beneficial. Well, and, and here this is one of the difference between innings 
is like not as large as I see from you. And I think that's the main disagreement. Well, and I think this too is one of those situations where a 12 and a 15 team league is really different. Sure. Because okay. in a 12 team league, if McCullers elbow does blow out again, mm-hmm. there is plenty of guys on the waiver wire. You can go and go, okay, this guy has some upside. This guy has some upside. When you're doing a 15, there just aren't that as many options. Uh, Sir, I, I, I do want to mention, it's not like Musgrove is this bill of clean health. I completely agree. Uh, 115 innings in 2018. Uh, 2017, I think the Astros had him relieved. I'm not really going to... 109, but it's that was, I think, more manipulation between the pen and starting. And then 2020, we had... Uh, his shoulder in the preseason and then he really only and then he had problems in season as well and for only eight starts uh and it was 2019 it was 170 he actually had an injury in that too to make it only 175 remember correctly so there is like you know it's not a guarantee that all of a sudden musgrove is now 170 either and that's fair and i if if musgrove's price keeps going up like i'm glad i got him in some really early drafts because sure. you know i w- i was much more uh, stoked on the price when I was getting him around pick 150 or 160. Now we're at 127, and like I said, I've seen him go in pretty much in the top 100 in recent drafts. Wow. Man, I, I really hope it's justified. I can't express this enough. Joe Musker breaking out is... Oh, it's, it's like I'll so make me so happy. This, this one has desires. the feeling of... Um, when I'm super stoked on a guy and then everybody else gets super stoked on him and all of a sudden I go, I can't pay this price. And, right. then, and then in October, I'm wishing I had paid that price. Yeah, right, yeah, right, so right. Yeah, you just got to pay the price. I, I, and I think a guy like this that I believe in this much, yeah, the price is going up. I've already got some shares. I, I, I will still get more, though. I play too many leagues to only have like the one or two in draft champions that I've got when I get into Let's do another my... draft! <laughs> <laughs> when I get into my redraft, you know, standalone leagues – um, in March and fe- February and March, I'm going to still take Musgrove. I'm still going to consider him even at the elevated price. I just believe in the talent and I love where he's at now. And, um, you know, I, I-, I don't want to miss the train here I- within reason. You know, if he goes up to like 80, if people get that silly with him, which I guess he could, right? He could go like Framber Valdez is 82, uh, ADP. So to see Musgrove there would not be crazy because, Wow, I think the innings is what is like making Valdez go up so much, and that's not the same. I think for Musgrove, I don't know. You guys know better than me about this. Yeah, I think his innings are are as viable as as uh, anything uh, Framber can be expected to do. Personally, Musgrove's. Yeah, yeah, well, no, no, I'm I'm agreement there. I'm just saying what the general consensus is to drive the draft stock. I think there's yeah, more Fromber. security in him. That's why you'll Fromber's probably see it higher. Is wild. Yeah. All right. I think that's going to wrap us up, though. We got through most of it. I had I had a lot on there. Three that we didn't get to. That's all right, though. It's okay. Uh, maybe we'll have you back <laughs> on another one. Not the next one, but the one after that, because then we'll be even deeper in pictures. So oh, get absolutely. Some of your sneak- Let's oh, I'll it. see what your schedule is. I know you're a busy man. 6.0 coming out. Give us a little taste. Talk to us about yeah, Pedro. No, you want more? You want, I gave you. I, I did it earlier in the week. Give us I don't a know. little something that was on another podcast. Yeah, no, do it on this There's only so much I can mention. Go listen to us. Um, on, you know, Nick and I were both on together. Okay. Great. But give us a little, a little Something you guys have been asking for. Uh, it was more one-on-one fantasy help. Um, oh. We're offering the ability to have a fantasy coach through the entire year. Oh, 
Okay. So I uh, can't wait for that. Is this like a sober companion? <laughs> yes. Let's go with that. Why not? <laughs> Love it. Okay. <laughs> hey, I'm here for it. 6.0 coming soon. Nick at Pitcher List on Twitter. Got the face. Got the face scan on there now. Got the pick, I should say. Um, I'm excited. I'm excited for Pitcher List 6.0. You always do the big reveal right after the Super Bowl. I can't wait, dude. It's going to oh, be man. so great. Thank uh, you so much for joining us. Uh, my pleasure. Absolutely. Come follow me at Pitchless if you don't already. Come check out our site. We're doing things before 6.02. So, uh, Absolutely. You should enjoy it. Come on. All by. right. Nick, take care. Justin, great speaking with you. I'll talk to you next week. Peace. Go buy the FWFB Draft Guide.